My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the Big Four events and every NXT TakeOver, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we'll bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, WWE previews and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always I'm joined by... Dan White. And yes, it's the WNR 140 today, episode 114. We celebrate 25 years of WWE Raw. But before we start off properly, let's have the alternate intro. Now get the guns, the drugs, from my generation. I'll take the faults. New confirmation. Yeah, it's the sex, the gods, the fakes, the frauds. They're messing with me. Come on, come on, come on. Let's get it on. Move to my music. Play the fucking music. Move it to my music. Yeah. Let's get it on. Move to my music. Play the fucking music. Live through my music. Yeah. And that's how to kill a raw theme by two English dudes. <clears throat> 1993, Vincent Mann changed the wrestling world. He decided to start a weekly live show on a USA network, something that had never been done before. Now... 25 years on, the WNR podcast watched the very first episode, plus pick our top five moments ever in the history of Raw. This is the 25 years of Monday Night Raw. January 1993, Raw was born. Now, 25 years later, it's just getting started. So let's go back 25 years to Night Night Free, the Manhattan Center in New York. We are live from the streets of a chilly New York City, but it is about to get very hot here in Manhattan. Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Mooney. A few minutes ago, it was a mob scene out here, everyone braving the elements to be a part of Monday Night Raw. But now they're inside set for the action. Hey, hey, wait a minute. What? Bobby Heenan. I'm going in there. No, 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 no. Oh, yes, I am. You were replaced. I went replaced? Yes. uh, By who would replace me? Rob Bartlett. You're not uh, supposed to be in there. I don't care about Rob This is Monday Night Raw, live from New York City, and I've got to be in there to host it. No, no, you're not. No, no, no. You can't get in. I'm sorry. I can't get in. I can get in. I can buy a ticket. No, there are no tickets left. So we start off here, and we see Sean Mooney telling us welcome to a... Uh, next stage of WF television, we are live here, and Bobby Heenan trying to get in, but uh, not having the best success, because uh, Mooney said, you can't just go in, and we replaced you, he said, with who? Rob Bartlett, he will be joining the commentary team tonight, you can't get a ticket, because it's sold out, well, that's not partly true, was it, because the crowd was 1,000 people at the Manhattan Centre, but unfortunately, only 600 people paid, but it is live, and we are going to see the first ever Monday Night Raw here. Incredibly, WWE done a list of top 100 moments. This is Raw Moment 71. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, exactly. But here we start with Monday Night Raw. The sirens are going. <laughs> Everybody's going crazy. Rob Bartlett. Well, here we go. The hosts of Vincent Mann, Randy Savage and Rob Bartlett. 
Do you know the latter being a comedian that Vince hired to give Raw a um, cutting edge? So expect a lot of his jokes to be, you know, very on the mark and that because he's here to replace Bobby Heenan, who is one of the greatest commentators of all time, you know. So you excited about watching the first... Have you ever watched the first Raw, Dan? Are you excited? I have never seen it before in my life, no. And yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited for this. You know, it's... It's quite mad. Started exactly and twenty. What it's evolved into as well. Twenty-five years ago, we'll see if anybody's still on the roster or if it what it looks like. And we're going to start off with oh Bird my man. god, Coco Beware, Coco Beware. Were you watching WF at the time in Night Night Three? Uh, I wasn't. No, I was only eight. Yeah, but you went to w, you watched WCW, weren't you? Yeah. You go WCW events. Well, Night Night Three is a very weird transitional period. Hogan was still there, but obviously not on top anymore. He was trying to go mid-card way. And Coco be well. I mean, thoughts on Coco, Dan? We haven't seen him a lot. He's not bringing out Frankie here, is he? But um, I, He used to be a very entertaining character, from what I can remember. Well, I think we've seen him in WrestleMania 3. He, he, he was there. But for me, he reminds me of... I don't want to be horrible to him, but WF star Coco Beware. <laughs> when, he, when we go to events or something like that, you're like, yeah. oh, okay, right. But I think he's still working. Credit to him, you know. Going against, oh, wow, this big One man. One of the most imposing men in sports entertainment. And that is Yokozuna. And he's getting presented with flowers from his uh, Japanese hookers. Yeah, and of course the geishas coming out here to pay their respect to Yokozuna, this uh, huge man. Bartlett starts by, reach, uh, by reaching for fat jokes. Yeah, that's a good way to start, isn't it? Jerry Law wouldn't even use this material, but hey, Rob Bartlett, you're cutting edge, mate. Well, the combination of his cheap shots, Savage's print, and Vince's inability to hold it to- all together is horrible. Bad choices all round. I don't like edgy wrestling programming when it isn't edgy. This is edgy. I mean, to call him a big-butted oriental chap, you know, we are on... This is raw, Dan. This is cutting-edge raw. So, so it's a big-butted chink going against a, a negro. Yeah, I mean, you'll be able to say that. You are the Rob Bartlett of the podcast. I would, I would think that would be fair. We're going to see if Coco Beware should beware of Yokozuna in this one. <laughs> We're doing a better job of them already. I can feel it. Ico Pro, that's Vincent Mann's bodybuilding supplement. That worked well. And Mike Kyoda, is he still refereeing today? I don't know. I think he is. Yeah, Mike Kyoda's still around. So at least one person at the moment, of course, Yokozuna, no longer with us. Coco Beware, I think he's still alive. I'm sure Dan Dan will fact check and tell me if uh, Coco Beware is dead. Yokozuna yeah, throws Coco Beware, just a huge power of the man. And now Coco Beware running up against it. Oh, Yokozuna gets squashed. He is. He's on the SmackDown brand. And by a margin of more than 20 years, Kyoda's the longest tenured referee in WWE history. Well now, Mike Kyoda. Made his debut in 1989. Bloody hell. Two years after I was born, he's been in the WF that long. They should give him sanction as well, like a little award. Like. How old is he? He is 51. 51? That's not bad at all, is it? 26 when he uh, started in WF. Oh, Coco be with a drop kick. Make oh, that two. rocking the big man. And he gets hung up on that top rope. And now here comes Yokozuna. Leg drop. That is over. It is over and done with. Yokozuna bowing. Yokozuna backing up. Coco beware. Here comes Yoko. Oh! Squashes him in the corner. Wow. And Yokozuna there just crushing Coco beware. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Well... 
I hate to use cliches, James, but that was a squash match. It really was, wasn't it? You know, I mean, Yokozuna here. Ko is undefeated, hasn't even been knocked off his feet. Coco is a jobber. Raw's initial concept as a primetime wrestling show out. Well, Yoko doesn't so much no-sell as ignore Coco's moves completely. Leg drop, bat splash, and the bonsai drop finishes. Not so much a contest, but rather an advertisement for Yoko's dominance and his favourite tag for the forthcoming Royal Rumble. The match lasted 3.45 seconds. So not a great way to start Monday Night Raw, but hopefully... Things will improve. Well, Video Control takes us to Bobby Heenan, who talks about the debuting new talent, Narcissist. That'd end up being a slightly repackaged Lex Luger. So Lex Luger is on the way. And up next, we're going to see the Executioners in action. Well, business is about to pick up. Though. Here come the Steiners. All the way from Michigan. Uh, you got to love the Steiner brothers, especially now. Their hard-hitting tag team action. It's always fun. Never really became in the WWF, did they? But they weren't really around long enough, you know, a couple of years at this point. WrestleMania 9 match again, isn't it? Isn't there? Yes, they had a WrestleMania 9 match against the Head Shrinkers. So, we're going to see them in action now against the Executioners. Will the Executioners be excellently executed tonight by the Steiners? Oh, Doink's having fun. Oh, he's got a broken arm. The uh, the broken arm that he used to hit Crusher. Oh, it? yeah, Crusher must have done that. Oh, Steiner, tilt well backbreaker. Look at big papa pump Scott Steiner. Now Rick, dog-faced gremlin. I wonder what he's going to do in this. Punches an executioner in the head and knocks him backwards. Executioner one, executioner two, I guess. Irish whips him against the ropes and the executioner just slips over. Just face plants the second rope. Steiner line by Rick. And Rick turns him upside down and just rams him. Stomach first into the top turnbuckle. Oh. And a meeting of the minds for the executioners as he throws number two into the ring. Two. Oh, and a big bear hug. Oh, lovely over-to-head belly-to-belly suplex there from Scott Steiner. And he's getting the crowd pumped up, displaying a lovely mullet. You've got to love the mullet here. Wonder who was under that mask. Barry Hardy is one of the executioners. Of course, the dad of the Hardy, but no, he's not. Worked in East WWW and WWF, and he worked with, uh, and the other one is Dwayne Gill. You might Gilberg. know, but as Gilberg, exactly. Oh, and it's over. Well, that was a lovely finishing move there by the Steiner brothers. It was kind of like a elevated bulldog. Rick came off the top rope, planted Executioner's face into the mat, and that was it. Well, this I, I don't want to again say another squash match, but Dan, it was another squash match. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what it was. A squash match. You might as well call them the masked jobbers because that's what they are. They're backstage, security has detained Bobby Heenan and he's in drag pretending to be Rob Bartlett's aunt. That is Rob Bartlett's aunt. So I'm not quite sure what is going on. Apparently, a security guard has detained a woman here. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse, 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 excuse me, sir. What, excuse me, what, what seems Rob to be the problem here? Your nephew? You're Rob Bartlett's. Yes, I'm, I'm his aunt. He's my nephew. He's my. Well, yes, I have to go in there and see him well, right I'm sure now. we can straighten this all out. He's we could probably go into uh, the, the will call. Wait, going in there right now. wait a minute. Bobby Heenan. So we see in interview time, we see Razor Ramon. And he's had to talk to Vince McMahon about Razor's total shot at the Rumble. He says, Vince McMahon. No, Vince points out Brett's experience and calls Razor a Johnny-come-lately. We should really say that it will be Razor Ramon, Bret Hart, double of title 
at the Royal Rumble. Horrible production during this as we get raised to talk about squashing Owen Hearts like a cockroach. While footage of the incident plays drowning out the promo, Razor said he's taken the title and flicks his toothpick at Vince's hairpiece. He sure was popular with the new New York crowd. And up next, it is the Intercontinental Championship. It's Shawn Michaels versus Max Moon. Oh, look at all the fireworks. Flashy fireworks coming out. Max Ooh. Moon. Look at this. Oh. <coughs> They're more like streamers, aren't they? Well, well, he had flashes beforehand. Max is Paul Diamond filling out ring gear designed specifically for Conan by Conan. He sold the rights to the gimmick and suit to the WF, but left after just three dark matches as Moon. So Conan, it was going to be Conan, but he got sick of it. And it's the first ever Raw title defence. And again, Michael, Shawn Michaels being in a first ever match. Yeah, I know. First ever. Let's hope we can uh, pull a good one here tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Diamond's going to cut you. <laughs> I'm dragged there. Michaels starting it off. And this is Michaels just after his breakup with Marty Gennetti. So we know he's just coming into his own here. We've seen so much Shawn Michaels, haven't we, these past, this past month? We have indeed, yes, but you can never see too much, Michaels. No, you can't. Oh, Max Moon, a nice leapfrog, catches Michaels' foot. Looks for the backdrop. Michaels spins out, lands on his feet. Oh, lovely couple of deep arm drag takedowns. And a little scoop slam there from Max Moon. He's starting to get in control of Michaels. Sean doesn't like that, does he? Is that a mallet? He is sporting a mallet, isn't he, Michaels? And with Max Moon, some kind of futuristic... I mean, what do you think of the suit of Max Moon? Meh. I don't get it. I don't know what it's meant to be. And now, dodging Michaels. Hey! Both looking for a takedown. They lock arms, but Michaels lands face first and he's in an arm lock now. Do you think Conan would have been successful if he would have continued being Max Moon, Dan? Or do you think he knew? He was Tyler. <laughs> I don't know. I think he might have known that his uh, bread was better battered on the <laughs> other side. But then again, Conan wasn't that successful in WCW. I mean, mm. he was... Outshadowed when he was in NWA Black and White. He was outshadowed when he was in the Wolfpack. So, you know, he, he didn't really have a huge part in it. But do you think that was maybe a thing that he didn't get a chance in WF after they bought WCW? Because maybe this Max Moon thing, Vince Man was like, right, if you don't do business then, I'm not going to do business for you now, you know? So, there's always a possibility. I mean, with Conan, I don't rate him that much anyway, but. No, I've. I've never, you know, I, I enjoyed him because he was part of the Wolf Pack, but I've, you know, I've not really rated him. He's part of the LAX now in uh, TNA, mm. and he plays their kind of leader. So uh, at least he's got a reputation in his own mind. I know he's hugely successful in Mexico. It's him and Vampiro, like the two biggest, you know, draws there. But Paul Diamond himself had a little bit of success in ECW, uh, but like I say, never really made it that next step, you know, to to anything and. Uh, I think we see a lot here tonight, you know, about talk about wrestling in general. It's it's quite a, um, I would say dark period. I don't think that's fair, but that, lots changing, isn't it? You know, the characters that may be working five years previously are not anymore. And they're kind of trying to go a different way now, more gritty, realistic raw. Maybe for the characters like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart that they've got. Of course, they've still got a fucking clown walking around, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But then in some cases, like, the characters kind of worked. I mean, you know, Taker, he was a big character. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the three faces of Foley, they were big characters, but they were still successful. You yeah, know, but so that's in, a... In some retrospects, they do work. 
But that's the, the, the special ones, aren't they? You know, you throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like... Oh, yeah. And a lot of other characters that we see. I mean, I think, I, personally, I think Doink is a character that could work now. This kind of scary clown. I think, it, you know, you look at what Bray Wyatt's doing, you, you can you can think something quite creepy like that and, and not turn it into comedy. I think, I think it would be but then, possible. I suppose if that happened, you'd be getting accused of ripping off the Joker because that's the only way you could successfully play a kind of clown is ripping off the Joker. I suppose it's a certain way. But what about... Um, it you could maybe do something more creepy like that. Yeah, but or... then you'll be getting accused of getting ripping off. It. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's it's still different ways you could you could do it. I yeah. still still would work. Especially you know the, the thing is. Well, saying that though, how successful was the Boogeyman? Yeah, but the Boogeyman was was, was it, that was was he more for the shock factor? Yeah, than those for the that was awful. Yeah, eating eating worms and stuff like this. I mean, it's just awful. Cat, it's it's like. You know, coming back to Max Moon now, it's it's like just an awful character. I don't know how it ever got past as anything. Max Moon, oh, only gets a two, only gets a two count on the heartbreak, kid. Two. Got another girl's my team, and Michael's going straight back to the attack on Max Moon. So, how do you feel about Max Moon? He's, you know, I don't know. He's kind of holding his own against Michael's in he this is. match. At this moment, it's the longest match we've, <clears throat> it's the longest match we've had on uh, Raw tonight probably double what we've had already and uh yeah i mean they seem to have plans for max moon you saw his come out here as well so obviously there's ideas but with michaels you can still i've said it on the michael special you can still see the kind of spot star potential michaels has in this match you know you look at the guys i think that's the most depressing thing about 25 years on all the missed talents you know even people like ziggler and and these type of guys cody rhodes the young cocky hills and then Michaels took that step and changed it. And you watch so many rumbles and you see all these young guys. And you're just like, oh, fucking, they never fucking made it, did they? That, that never worked. 2010, he came out with Husky Harris and Michael McGillicutty. And I'm like, fucking hell, they're still around now. Like, I don't know, you know, Bray White and Curtis Axel. Yeah. But Mason Ryan didn't work. It's yeah. depressing how much talent we lose. But Max Moon catches Michaels and he uses a move that doesn't work in real life. Oh, looking to hop over the top right. Michael sees it, moves out of the way, thinking he's dodged it. But Max Moon with a seated scent on there, taking Michael's out at ringside. Then way for Finn, Matt's uh, sitting atop some nice carpet. Yeah, I like that red carpet there. Max Moon, Irish fits Michael in the corner. Big kick. Oh, they could have him now. Michael's managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Moon picks him up, slams him down. Well, Max Moon somehow still in this. Michael's going to put him away with that. Padded side suplex, no. The teardrop suplex. Max Moon reverses, but Michaels hits it. Man, that is over, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Michael, Michaels retains in Raw's first title defence. Wow, what are your thoughts on that match, Dan? It was a lot more working than the than the last two matches. I don't think it was so much as a squash match for Michaels this time. Yeah, it was it was good. It wasn't overly impressive, though. No, I mean, the crowd chanted loudly, let's go, Sean. you got to love New Yorkers. Let's Di- go, Sean. Let's go, Sean. Diamond tries to throw some Lucha Libre, perhaps paying tribute to the man who created Max Moon. Incidentally, Rob Bartlett is grinding at me with his terrible jokes. He really was the pits as an announcer. Oddly enough... WCW would hire a left-field colour commentator with Nitro W2 in the form of Steve McMichael. I don't know which one I fucking hate more. Do you know that? 
Bartlett lowers the bar once again by impersonating Mike Tyson. What kind of sick individual would do that with almost the exact same voice as Adam Sandalute uses for his old Jewish lady jokes? Well, time for filler as Gene Oakland prepares us for a Royal Rumble with extensive shilling. The way they were building Sean Gennetti for the Rumble suggested a more violent match than they had. I guess given the expectations, the match was a disappointment, but it was technically solid. Well, the shenanigans continue as Uncle Morty tries to sneak in. And that's Bobby Heenan's second disguise of the evening. This time as Rob Bartlett's extremely Jewish uncle. There is no more room inside, but the word is out. These folks are lining up to get tickets for next week's Monday Night WWF Raw. Excuse me, sir, sir. I just want to ask you a question. Are you getting your tickets for next week? Get in line? Yes, I got to get inside there. I got to see him. Fuck. What's the problem? I got to see my, my nephew. His name is Ron oh, Bartlett. You have a relationship. Yes, here. I'm Uncle Morty Feldman. He needs me inside. I, think, I got to I go think now. You ran into your inside. wife earlier. Uh, wait a minute. No. I've got to go inside. What you might. I have to. He's got the tickets for me for tonight for the Raw on discount. He's got the discount. He's a good bagel. He's a good boy. Wait a minute. Uncle Morty, you uh, seem to be having a little problem here with your beard. Bobby Heenan. Okay, you know. I got to get inside. Well, you go, you go to I gotta, I'll go to anyway. Wow, there we go. You got love. We got love a bit, Heenan. Raw is so short on material for its first episode that we have a feature on Kamala being converted to Christianity by Slick. So we are on to our main event. And this will be the main event, the first ever Raw. A momentous occasion. And who's it going to be? It's The Undertaker versus... Damien Demento. <laughs> Damien Demento. I mean, this guy looks so scary in this one. I mean... He's He's got that nervous look. Let's see if we see The Undertaker's entrance. Tell me more about Damien Demento, Dan. Well, Philip Thies is a, an American semi-retired professional wrestler best known for his appearances in WWF between 92 and 93 under the ring name Damien Demento. As Damien Demento, he's built from the outer reaches of your mind. After this, Demento completed solely on house shows before leaving the WWF in 1993. And what about this man, The Undertaker? He's just a jobber, isn't he? Well, I don't think any either gimmick's going to work, really. A dead man and a, and a, a dementor. And Paul Bear's there. I wonder what Paul Bear's got to say about it. Well, James, I've come here from Death Valley. And The Undertaker <laughs> is going to beat Damien Demento. Oh. Wait a minute. Macho Man's come up and had a word with him. Oh, yeah, well, there's only one way this match is going to go, dig it. Wait a minute, Nigel McGuinness in the time machine has somehow come here. Well, James, we see The Undertaker and he's squaring off against Damien Demento and he looks mad. I mean, Damien Demento is a huge man, but The Undertaker is a lot bigger. Uh, thank you very much, Nigel. I mean, that was incredible then, what just happened. And uh, we're going to get this match started, Demento. Going out of striking the Undertaker. I mean, Dan, did you just see what happened there? He did, yes. They went nose to nose and Demento tried punching the Undertaker in the face, but the Undertaker just wasn't having any of it. And now Undertaker sends his Demento into the turnbuckle. Oh, he's got the shoulder. He's (coughs) He's going for school. He is. This is preschool, isn't it? I mean, the first ever Raw. The Undertaker walking the ropes. Straight onto the back of the neck of Demento. But Demento, like, credit to him, back to his feet, sent into the turnbuckle. And Undertaker's just choking out Damien. <clears throat> choking away, and now Irish whip Demento. Oh, 
stomach first into the corner. Undertaker runs in, but he runs into a big boot from Damien. He perched himself on the second rope. The double axe handle smashed to the head of the Undertaker, barely taking the dead man off his feet, though. And took- a Mojo Rawley-style shoulder block there from Damien Demento. Well, he took him off his feet that time, but the Undertaker sits straight back up again. And says to Demento, is that all you got? Gets Irish whipped. Ducks a clothesline attempt, and he just comes flying through the air. And he wants his urn up. And the Undertaker, Paul Barrett saying, finish it. Finish him. <laughs> Tombstone time. Demento down. Oh, there is not a greater force in professional wrestling than The Undertaker. The first ever Raw. And yes, he will be on Raw 25 years later. Quite incredible. I mean, Dad, what do you think of this squash match? Well, uh, I, I think this is the best squash match of the three squash matches we saw. You know, it's just it's The Undertaker, he just looks... What Woody Allen versus Mia Farrow in a steel cage match? Shut the front door. Well, it's just, you know, it's The Undertaker that we seen and loved today. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, let's talk about it now. We've saw four matches. Uh, what was the best one out of the four, Dan? I was more impressed by The Undertaker one, personally. Yeah, I think so. I think the HBK Moon, probably best in ring standpoint, but not better than 3.5. I think the other one's all squash. And, yeah, Taker Demento was all right. And now we see Doink talking to Vincent Mann. Uh, it is interview time. Vince brings out Doink to abuse Crush. You know, Ryan comes out, bruh, and tells Doink, bruh, that he'll break all his limbs, bruh, if he continues to make all the kiddies cry out here. Bruh. Take a drink every time he says, bruh. Bruh. If he came out here right now, he would be crying too. And I would be laughing. Excuse me, Mr. Doink. I'd like for you to meet Crush. Pardon me, Crush. Who's laughing now? Hey, bro. Before you put your size 14 shoe and your size 20 mouth, you better look over both shoulders, bro. You got that? This was just a warning, bro. If I catch you touching anyone else, playing your stupid jokes that only you're laughing at on anyone else, bro, you just might be wearing a cast on both arms and both legs next time. You got that, brother? Whoa. Whoa. Oh, but Doink squirting a pistol. And Doink's just taunting Crush now. Well, Crush wants Doink. But I don't think Doink wants any of Crush. The main event for WrestleMania 9. Doink versus Crush. Oh, sure, Mooney now, Bobby Heenan. Well, as you know, Bobby Heenan has been very persistent throughout the evening attempting to get inside. Well, I've got some good news for him. Excuse me, Bobby. What? Bobby I Heenan. I know, I just got I word. I just got word. You can go on up. You're welcome. Go. go yes, you're on the way. No, let him go. Let him go. He's have a good time up there, Bobby. You fucking pricks. Well, they just let he and all of a sudden the show finishes. I mean, Dan, what are your thoughts on the first floor? It wasn't great. You know, there was what four matches. Yeah, three of them were squash. I don't know. It 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 was interesting. Don't get me wrong. You know, the first ever Raw. It was forty-five minutes long. But I, I don't know. It's it's hard to see how it went on to become so successful. I mean, you know, if you'd have seen this the first time, would you have uh, would you have tuned in to watch them more? Well, I think it's a difficult question. That's a difficult question, isn't it? You know, because if you look back from what we've experienced in Raw 25 years since then, it's a not very good show. It, you know, and, and I think the thing with Raw, it was something new that they tried, a live show, didn't really know what to do. 
But I think what we're going to watch, well, what we're going to see is obviously the progression of Raw. Get given a chance, let it go for, you know, a couple of years, see if it was successful. And yes, it did. And it grew from that, didn't it? So I think, yeah, the first Raw probably wasn't the best. But then again, I probably would watch the second episode just to see if it would have proved. And luckily, it all did, didn't it, you know? It did, yeah, and it did certainly run up. Well, the WWE Network released an updated Top 100 Raw moments following the end of Monday Night Raw last week. Title celebrating 25 years of Raw and hosted by Corey Greyberg, the show, the show counted down the Top 25 moments in Raw history. To hype the show, Rosenberg and Graves filmed a seven-minute segment for WWE where Rosenberg loses a list and then goes to the WWE warehouse to find it. In the warehouse, Rosenberg goes through several WWE memorabilia that appeared on Raw over the years and is joined on this tour by the one and only Sean Moon. Yeah, so the man who was on the first ever Raw is in this little clip and the show aired on the USA Network following the conclusion of SmackDown Live. So we talk about the top 100 moments. Let's, here's their top 10 moments, all right? At number 10... June 6, 2005, Raw 628, the landscape of WWE changes when John Cena arrives on Monday Night Raw as the brand's first pick in the 2005 WWE Draft. Uh, Raw moment number nine, and it's Raw 293, uh, and the dream of Mrs. Foley's baby boy is realised when mankind challenges the rock for the WWE Championship and wins. Yeah, and we've got the uh, that on the podcast... Number eight, Raw 602, history is made when Lita and Trish battle for the Women's Championship in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Raw moment seven, Raw 1097, the unity of the Shield is finally broken when Triple H executes his infamous Plan B. Number six, Raw 1245, after defeating the Untap, Roman Reigns takes his yard to comment on his massive accomplishment. Raw moment number five, Raw 226, a storied rivalry between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Miss McMahon ignites with a stunning gesture from the Rattlesnake. Uh, Raw moment number four, August 9th, 1999, Raw 324, the walls of WWE come crashing down when Chris Jericho makes an unforgettable debut and shows everyone that Raw is Jericho. Moment number three, Raw 1085. In defiance of the Raw's reign of tyranny, Daniel Bryan turns to the Yes movement to help secure his destiny. Or his yesterday. <laughs> Number two, June 27th, 2011, Raw 944. CM Punk evokes controversy by hijacking Monday Night Raw to speak his mind on his status in the WWE. And the number one moment is Raw number 304, days before battling the Rock at WrestleMania 19. Stone Cold Steve Austin gives the corporation a taste of things to come. Mm. Mm. So very interesting. A new top 100 moments. Here's the WWE War 100 moments they had before the changes. So Royal Top 10 then. This is on Beyond the Ring. If you click on there, watch Top 100 moments. The Top 10. WrestleMania 26 Challenge. February 22nd, 2010. That was Young Taker and Triple H. Number 9 was the Raw slash Nitro Simulcast when Vince McMahon... Announced that he, well, he thought he had bought Nitro, but it turns out the name on the warrant was McMahon. <laughs> yeah, it was McMahon. It yeah. wasn't Vince McMahon. No, no, it was in shame, McMahon. Number eight was a rock concert, and this is my favourite rock ever. Uh, March 24th, 2003. This is Hollywood rock playing the guitar and absolutely owning all the crowd. Number seven's a bit of a controversial one because, uh, well, for a couple of reasons, yeah. but. 
DX mocks the nation. They come dressed out in what can only be described as a bit of blackface. Yeah, the black out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they just come out. In 6, 2005, it was John Cena making his entrance into Raw, and it is a hell of a reaction. Um, and again, a really important moment. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, it's James's favourite Raw moment ever, and that is the famous punk pipe bomb speech. And, you know, some of the things he said could be misconstrued as actually shooting off the wrist. But, you know, it, it was predominantly scripted. But, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like he, he, it, it was laid out what he was going to say, but some of it, I think, you know, he, he might... Yeah, it, how he wanted it to. was all down to what he they just said to, you know, uh, talk about what you want. And one of those lines that still gets me today, and it's still true, is that he says, Vincent Mann is a millionaire who should be a billionaire. And it, it rings true now. Punk was so right about that. And it is a great moment in time. Number four, another moment we're going to watch, well, we're going to watch on the Raw, Raw 25 podcast, is January 19th, 1998. Mike Tyson and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it basically kicks off properly the Attitude Era, doesn't it? You know, it does indeed. Yes, uh, number three, the Millennium Man, and it is the introduction of Chris Jericho. The Rock was out talking his usual garbage, and the countdown began on the screen, and none other than Chris Jericho yeah. was introduced <laughs> to the world of WWE, and what a legend he'd become. Exactly. Who the thought? You know, twenty years later. Uh, what he's done in his life. Number two was September 27th, 1999. It is the highest rated segment in WWE Raw history. I think it had an 8.2 rating. It was Mankind giving The Rock a surprise birthday bash. Uh, basically, everybody coming down to the ring of The Rock just cussing them away. It, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It really is. A number one, Dan? Uh, number one is the Stone Cold Steve Austin giving the corporation a beer bath. And, you know, he drives down in his, what is it, Budweiser, Bud Light truck. Yeah, Bud Light, yeah. And he just completely soaks everyone in the ring. McMahon sells it brilliantly. It's like he gets knocked over and he slips yeah, everywhere. he's swimming, isn't he? It's mate? just a yeah. brilliant moment. And that was on March the 22nd, 1999. So I think one of the fun things about WWE Raw, of course, is its theme song along the years, isn't it? You know, I mean, you think about Raw and you've always got a favourite theme song. I mean, Dan, what's your favourite uh, mine's the move to the music, play that fucking music song. Yeah, and and I, I don't know, I like, I think there's a lot of them, but I think the one that's tonight is the night, because the A-list can't miss, I think that's the 2016 one. What we're going to do, though, is pr- play, even, every Raw theme that we got. So first up, here's Night Night 3. So your basic Raw theme and usually followed by Welcome Everyone to Monday Night Raw Vince McMahon. Uh, and I mean Dan, what do you think of the original Raw opening? Yeah, you know, it's uh it's a bit low key for what I like, but you know, it was a good start to the Raw themes, I suppose. Right, let's see what else we got then.
Sounds a bit like Bret Hart mixed with Mankind. Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not the greatest theme, is it? So they had that through the transformation. They turned blue for a period of time as well. Like, yeah. they got the sirens. Yeah, it's 95 for 96. I Like It Raw by, again, Jim Johnson. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a huge fan of it, Dan. <laughs> no, it's not the uh, it's not the greatest, is it? No. Yeah, it's a bit cheesy. I wonder what to get this into chorus, though. And how can a song like this be I Like It Raw? Oh, there you go. I it's like it raw. Mellow. Yeah. I like it raw. Yeah. Right, night night seven. Of course, this is Start the War Zone. It's, I like this one. Here we go. Fawn in your eye, yeah. It's a bit like Alistair Black's tune, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. And this is the advert. I remember this all the time. And we're back from the ad breaks. <laughs> This used to play for a while, didn't it? If they came back a bit early and you just get the raw, the you raw get symbol. Three and a half minutes, yeah. yeah. You think it's going to end, but then it repeats yeah, again. Yeah, I know. That's still going. It's a fucking long ad break. It is. Come on, guy, guy. Oh, here we go. The best one ever. Now get the cards, the cards from my generation. I'll take the Two thousand three, wasn't it? That was the raw yeah. theme. They moved on from that. Of course, the other two we heard was night night and two thousand. Now we move on to two thousand, two thousand eight, two thousand nine theme, which I don't think is a bad theme either. Yeah. 
got that uh, cor- chorus bit. Yeah, that is. I just wanna be, wanna be loved. The God King. And then 2009, 10, 11, and 12. All them balls out. <laughs> yeah. Not tonight, hey. Everything we want. We're going to the world turning we got Raw 1000 theme here, but who cares about that? Who, who remembers that? I like that tune you know, as well. Yeah, this is my favourite Raw one coming up now. So we had Raw 1001, which no one remembers. And the next one, I think my favourite. When I think of a Raw theme in my head, I think of this one. I think this is our first rules we saw together, so maybe that's why we like the theme so much. <laughs> 2012, 13 and 14. The thing I like about it, they say about the things, and there's people they can show as well. High flying, A list, obviously. And then we've got July 25th, 2016 to present day. It's Enemies by Shinedown, the raw theme. I think it's a bit of a letdown considering everything else we've heard, don't you, Dan? Indeed, yeah. So that is themes. I mean, I, I quite like the theme songs if you think about it, from '97 onwards up until I think present day. I think the theme, I think the raw theme tunes have actually been all right, haven't they? You know, I think much better than compared yeah. to SmackDown. I mean, I couldn't name half the SmackDown ones, whereas I can with the Raws. But I thought it'd be fun to look at the raw theme. So there we go. We do move on. Okay, so now. It's time for our top five moments. Both get top five moments, Dan. So five moments. It's a ten moments altogether for the WNR podcast. I think it's fair if I start. So, yes, number five for me. Loser Leaves Town, January 25th, 1993, episode three. Only its third episode ever, Raw delivered big time. This match was a year in the making. Mr. Perfect had been Ric Flair's manager 
but after the Nature Boys lost the WF title, he blamed Kurt. So this became a rivalry so intense, they couldn't even be in the same company as each other. The loser will indeed leave town. So we talked about that, and we just watched the first Raw. Two episodes later, we've got a match of this calibre, do you know what I mean? So, to be fair, Raw was definitely uh, changing things there. To be fair to Flair. Yeah. Elsewhere on the card, though, we did have a couple of interesting matches. The Repo Man versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Kamala and Slick versus the Brooklyn Brawler. Yep, that was it. And then we got the main event here. So it's going to be interesting to see. But the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, what do you think he looks like, Edge? Think he looks well? The Nature Boy. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, he does. He looks good. He does look good, doesn't he? And he's coming out here. This is his last, obviously, Raw appearance. His last WWE appearance for nine years until he'll come back as 50-50 owner to McMahon. And Mr. Perfect thrown in the towel. Of course, he'd be with WWF until 1996. So here we go. Perfect and Flair. So we wanted a good rest of the match. We're finally going to have one here. Of course, our top ten moments are going to be segments. They're going to be matches. Go down. How difficult was you to pick your five moments? It was hard. Yeah? What about the moments? I don't know. It was, there were so many to choose from, and I didn't want to go with the classic top ten that Raw had gone for. You know, I wanted to try and stay away from that. There might be one or two crossovers. Yeah. From my picks, but you know I couldn't help it. It's it's my favourite moments. I, I think that's fair, sir. I think it is our yeah exactly our favourite moment. I mean, and, and this one here, I, I came late onto it, but we talk about the, the history of this. You know, perfect and Flair, and Flair being the kind of uh, perfect guy to come along, kind of give Bret Hart that rub, give him the title, and then as any good well as he did, made you know lose, spoiler alert, lost to perfect, went away, and that was kind of respect that McMahon had for Flair. And I think well, fair. Fair play to Flair, you know, coming in with the Rumble, the title, and then McMahon says, I don't think you're, you know, I think you're a bit too old. And he goes, all right, yeah, fine. And he, he did business the kind of right way. I think respect was earned there for him. Yeah. And I think with Mr. Perfect as well, there's not many great perfect matches that you can bring up straight away. And I think this is important that people know. Like, I, I, what I wanted to do with Raw moments is to have a Raw moment, like right at the beginning, in the middle, and then, do you know what I mean, towards the end, if you're not, to try and celebrate the kind of 25 years that we've got. And I think it does well, you know. I think our order is, is quite good. Oh, now Henning backing Ric Flair up with a chops in the corner. Woo! You've got to be Ric fair Flair, to Flair. like knife-edge chops. <laughs> and the classic Flair bump as well. Oh, perfect taking him down. And this is better than anything we saw in the first episode of Raw combined. Yeah. We're both men erring on the side of caution. Well, you can think how important it is, Dan. If perfect was to lose, he would have to leave WWF. And the same with Ric Flair. Their career is on the line here, you know? We don't have loser leave town matches anymore because, well, Perfect backing Flair up with the chops. And now Flair bounces out. And look at Perfect. If I don't mind saying so, Perfect combination by him. Working the jabs and Flair up and down. Perfect, I think, has got the... But Nature Boy Ric Flair always can pull out a victory. The dirtiest player in the game. And he's got the dirtiest manager in the game in his corner as well, James. You can't forget Bobby the Brain Heenan. No, I mean, Bobby Heenan's got a close connection to both these men. You know that Heenan doesn't like Perfect. He wants Narcissus to come in. And the thumb to the eye from Flair. Perfect outside. And now Flair comes out looking for a folding chair, but doesn't find one. Or looking to beat him over the head with it. But Earl Hebner takes a chair off him. Flair shoves the ref, but the ref shoves him back. He's not taking any shit. We go to an advert, come back, and it looks like Perfect's trying to roll up Flair, but Flair stops it. His tights went low then as well. Yeah, he did. We saw half a bum cheek from Flair. <laughs> we did. And now Flair picking up Perfect. Going to try and wear him down. Irish ripping a corner. 
perfect up and perfect down on the outside. Well, did he just hit the ring post as he came down there? That was big, big impact. Is Flair going to go for a suicide dive? Perfect's busted open. Perfect is bleeding. I, I think when he got Irish ripped, his head hit that turnpike, turn ring post. Referee's got to check now. Might have to stop this if there's too much blood loss. Flair's dragging Perfect back into the ring with them closed fists. You can see the blood on Rick's chest of Perfect. No more chops in the corner, is it? It's just like he said. Big what? right hands to the jaw, lefts and rights. Flair wants to keep his job in the WWE. Or the WWF, is it? Oh, Irish ripped to Perfect. Perfect sprang out. And he's in serious trouble now. Look at wearing him down. That's kind of Flair suck. going for the cover. We've got his foot on the rope. Oh, Hebner doesn't see it. And now Flair talked to the referee. He's got the boot across the neck of Perfect. Certainly is the dirtiest player in the game. He's saying, I don't use the rope as he's illegally choking Kurt. And now look at Rick getting annoyed with the fans. He's like... strutting and styling and profiling as much and wooing. Because he's concentrating on Mr. Perfect, you see. This is the perfect response with a chop. But Flair's chops are legendary. But perfect, though, to his credit. Got a few punches in him. (laughs) Now Flair bouncing out the corner, but coming straight into a big right hand from perfect. And now a lovely lovely roll-up cover. Oh. But Flair managing to kick out. Uh Oh, perfect. Back to his feet, caught right in the gut. Rick Flair knows he's got Mr. Perfect hurt. Irish whip. Going to hip toss him, no. Test of strength between the two. Who's going to win this exchange? Whoever gets to the knees first has the advantage. Can Perfect get down? Perfect's dropped to one knee. Can he tilt Flair over? Oh. oh. Only getting the two count. Two. Flair got wearable to try again to stop Perfect. He gets caught. The Irish whip. Oh, and a big high back body drop from Perfect. Flair lands straight on his back. And now he's backing up into the corner. Classic Flair. <laughs> Perfect turning up in. Old Rick. Oh. Drops him onto his back. Yeah, brings him back in the centre with a hard way. Big right hand to the forehead of Flair. None of these men want to leave town. Well, he's up on the second rope. He wants to bust Rick over like he did him. And he, you can hear Heenan shouting as well. So Christy's using on Rick. Oh, and an inverted atomic drop from Flair as he was coming out the corner. Oh, Rick rolls him up. Two. Oh, perfect managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Rick again backing away, trying to get outside. Rolls outside for a bit of a break. Gives Mr. Perfect a chance to recover as well. He grabs Rick on the apron. And now Flair back in the corner. Perfect coming after him. But Rick, again, maybe one step ahead at this moment in time. Got a sleeper locked in, though. And with the blood loss as well, the, this draining Mr. Perfect even quicker. And Mr. Perfect could be unconscious and be leaving the WF not knowing anything about it. Heading down. Heading. Perfect down. Oh, the arm went down once. Make He's gone down twice. Yeah. Will it go down thrice? Oh, oh no. no. Perfect managing to stay in it. Oh, perfect now. Slowly get to his feet. Rick shaking under the weight of Perfect. And Perfect, oh, sends Rick into the top turnbuckle. And a backwards bump from Flair. Rick Flair, though, to his credit, back to his feet. Irish Ripper attempt. Oh. And now Perfect's got Flair in a side headlock or drags him down to the mat. Was it sort of a pin cover? He did. He got two out of it. Two. And now he's trying to wear him down. Side sleeper whilst trying to get the count at the same time. Gives a good strategy for Perfect. Just wearing down Rick. Now Rick slowly getting to his feet. How's he going to get at this one? Oh, back suplexed him up, dropped him down. That's how Rick's going to get out of that one. Yeah, Flair's got some separation now. Perfect, holding his bad back, having to use the ropes to get himself up. Well, now Flair drags him to the middle of the ring. He's going to get the figure four locked in. Oh, he's got it. He's holding on the ropes for extra elevation. Come on now, blatant cheating by Flair. 
Well, he's the dirtiest player in the game. His career's on the line. Perfect, surely. Don't call me Shirley, he's, but he's getting away with it. He's going to have to tap out in a minute. Well, he's going to have to submit. He's going to have to say, I quit. Because Flair's got hold of the ropes. Referee here. So, such poor positioning. Even going for the count. Perfect. Having to kick out. And with the hand on the rope, Perfect can't even turn it. So he's stuck here. Well, the referee's caught him and he's been told to break it. Rick said, what, me? But the damage is already done. He's working over that left leg of perfect. The man can barely stand on it. It's like a shark that can smell blood. Flair knows that leg is now damaged. And a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest not going to do very well. Headlock takedown. Flair going up top. He's always successful when he goes up top. Undefeated from the top right. <laughs> Uh-oh. Perfect catches him. Oh, throws him halfway across the ring as we go into yet another ad break. Well, we're back and Flair seems to have gotten away from Mr. Perfect for the time being. Now Kurt Henning's got all oh, no. Mr. Perfect distracted the referee by accident. Ric Flair's got brass nuts in his hand. Oh, come on. Big right hand from Flair. He had the weapon. That's not, that's not fair. It's not fair that Flair used those. The referee can see him. If the referee doesn't see it, it doesn't count. Well, he's out. He's out. There's no point, Flair, you trying anything else. Drops the elbow across the throat of Perfect. He knows it's over. Two. No! His foot's on the bottom rope. All that cheating didn't help you there, but oh no, he's got him now. Oh, another roll-up attempt, but Perfect managing to kick out. <laughs> and Heenan loving what he sees there. <laughs> and look at Rick just attacking the cut. Rick picking up Perfect. Oh, big chop. Rick Flair like knife edge chop, but he seems to have woken up perfect. The right hand doesn't seem to have any effect either. Another Flair chop. A perfect scream. Is that all you got? As he limps towards Flair, who's backing away from him. <laughs> Flair doesn't want any. <laughs> now some perfect chops. Here he comes. Oh, shoot to Flair. Flair bounces back up. High back body drop. And perfect's building up ahead of steam. A big right hand from perfect. And Flair again, he's backing away. Again, Irish whip. Flair, oh! Classic flair bump. <laughs> Runs across to the opposite corner. Comes off the top rope and gets caught by Kurt, uh, by Mr. Perfect. Go for the cover. Oh, flair manager to kick out. Uh, woo! Look at the speed of the nature boy there. And then profiling his way across the side of the ring. <laughs> now he's backed up into the corner. Oh, no. Flair caught him down to... Got the leg. Oh, no. The referee can't spot the fact that his legs on the rope. Well, he's spotted it now. Perfect rolls up Flair. Two. Oh, oh but Flair managing to kick out. Ah. Flair now. Irish ripping perfect. Drops his head. Perfect. Perfect plex. Bridges out. One, one two, two, three. three. So Mr. Perfect wins. It's Rick Flair's last match, but I think it's fair to say a perfect choice for my number five, Dan. What do you think of the match? It was a bloody good match, you know, considering what we saw just two episodes ago, it was a bit terrible. <clears throat> yeah, I know. The, the, you're talking about the episode, not this. This is not yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah. no, no. I mean, compared to what we saw, yeah. they was terrible. This, yeah, it was a, a vast improvement. And, you know, seeing... A great match from Mr. Perfect and Flair, really. Yeah, I think he told a great story as well, you know. Look, Flair, yeah. Flair took the shortcuts all way long, you know, using the brass nuts, using the ropes and advantage. Perfect having to suffer a cut as well and dealing with that. And, uh, no, I think, yeah, like I said, a great way 
a perfect way to start off our top five moments. So that was my number five. Dan, over to you. Well, James, mine happened not too far after yours. It was The Kid Heard Around the World, Raw episode 17. So it's just 14 episodes after yours. X-Pac is one of the most reveled characters in wrestling history. But well before that, he started off as a random jobber, but became a part of the first iconic moment in the history of Monday Night Raw. Well, during his first appearance on Raw, he was billed as the Kamikaze Kid. The next week, he was the Cannonball Kid. Throughout all of these early matches, it said L Kid with thunderbolts on his tights. After losing week after week, he came out simply as the Kid to face Razor Ramon, a guy so bad he was known as the bad guy. It should be noted that Raw was a fledgling show that was not yet important as some of the other more established shows that the WWE was producing at that time. There was usually one match between two actual superstars and outside of that it was jobber squash matches. This definitely figured to be the latter as Razor Ramon was getting a push as a top heel and the kid was basically a joke. Yeah, so this is what we're going to check out now. We've got Heenan, Matcha Man, Vincent Man on commentary. And Dan, this is your first moment in Monday Night Raw. Oh, look, would you give it Raw to her? What are your reasonings for picking this moment, Dan? I think it's it's probably one of the earliest upsets that I can remember. You know, it's like... You got this young kid, you know, he's the kid. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's been getting squashed throughout and the Razor Ramones, you know, he's he's getting the push as a as a top wrestler. And you know, you could put your house on Razor Ramon winning this match. Yeah. I think I think that's right, you know. We we've seen Razor. He's uh, battled Bret Hart for the WF Championship, so he's obviously he's an established star. As of now, like I said, this loser kid, I think the L stands for on his tights. But I think it's incredible this moment is 25 years ago now. You know, you talk about all the great moments in Raw. And if it wasn't for these moments, like we saw Perfect and Flair, and now this, then Raw wouldn't have been, would it? Do you know what I mean? Exactly that. And plus, he looks a bit like the Flash. Yeah, so they're both tying up. Razor's obviously got the strength advantage here. He's got every advantage <laughs> over the L kid. And there's three mullets in the ring. Yeah, you've got to love the mullets going on at the moment. I think Razor's looked the uh, sharpest. And one, two, three kid looks so young. He does, yeah. You know, he's the one, two, three kid, the kid, lightning kid, kamikaze kid, cannonball kid. We're just thrown across the ring kid by Razor Ramon. James, what moves has he got him in now? Well, he has got them in an abdominal stretch, which is made famous by uh, Wilbur Schneider. Schneider. Yeah, not many people know that. Grabbed the leg and Razor checking with Mike Keola and saying, everything I'm doing is fine. And he's just playing with the kid at the moment. Oh, the kid attempts a crossbody but gets caught by lovely fall-away slam from Razor Ramon. And this seems like a, an elementary match for the bad guy. Oh, yeah, look at him slapping the back of the kid. Going to Irish whip him now in the corner. Oh, a hard bump, but the kid ducks out. Razor Ramon hits the turnbuckle. Oh, he might be a little bit groggy. Kid going up. Oh, shooting star off the top one. Two, three. Oh, my God. And in a massive upset, the kid beats the bad guy. Well, moonsault off the top by the kid, straight onto Razor. And look at the crowd. The crowd can't believe it either. Catches him by surprise. Razor's absolutely furious, pointing at Vince McMahon, saying, have you Montreal screwjob me before the Montreal screwjob was a thing? <laughs> well, this would make a kid into a star, wouldn't it? And also make Razor turn from the bad guy, so to speak, to quite a popular face. Everyone expected it to be just a squash match for the Razor, but no, you know, he, he ended up 
winning and uh, yeah, surprising the whole nation. Yeah, it honestly was the like you said, Dan, the first major upset. As we move on, and it is my number four moment now. Steve Austin's funeral, April nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine, episode three oh eight. One of my first raw memories, and I seriously thought the Rock had stolen the Undertaker's gimmick. I was so upset by this. I thought, why is the Undertaker out? Why is the Rock out here now? Well, why, why, why is he? Why is he near the grave? What's going on here? Little did I know what was actually going on. You see the Rock talking about Steve Austin, sporting some great sideburns. I actually had the action figure of this well, the suit, nothing underneath. Before we continue, I should give him a little backstory. Should say the reason why Austin, is, uh, why the Rock is giving Austin's funeral austin threw the rock's title belt into the river in 1997 yeah well the rock one up steve austin basically not only threw the smoking skull championship into the river but austin himself and the rock with this action thought steve austin was dead he had lost the wf title to austin at wrestlemania 15 and now we lead on to this moment which is just a week before backlash dearly trailer park trash like this. We are gathered here tonight to celebrate the loss of the biggest foul mouth, beer swilling, finger gesturing, piece of monkey crap that has ever graced God's green earth. This is an honest eulogy. Oh, come on. Audacity. Total lack of respect. You got a clean act. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock bows his head in reverence as life's eternal question will finally be answered. Will your Rudy Pooh fit in that damn casket? That's what we want to know. Unfortunately, Austin, it appears that Vision will have to wait until Backlash to become a reality. And since The Rock knew... This is a long eulogy. ...that your candy ass wasn't going to join him here tonight, The Rock brought something else here to bury. Uh-oh. They're talking about that photo. The Rock will never let us down. He's always get. Hey, wait a minute. That, that's that smoking skull bell. Wait a minute. That lion son of a gun. I thought he threw it in the river. Oh, everybody did. <laughs> he lured Austin to that bridge, and he never threw the damn bell. You see Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> throwing this off the bridge just wasn't good enough. Uh-uh. The Rock is going to bury this piece of trash you call a belt six feet under. And let it rot just like your damn career. <laughs> this is great. Austin, you better smell what the rock is cooking because at Backlash, the Brahma Bull is gonna come out snorting. At Backlash, the Brahma Bull is gonna come out spitting. And at Backlash, the Brahma Bull is gonna take his horns and spear them right in your candy ass. Well, you got it to do there, challenger. Remember that. You're the challenger this Sunday at Backlash. He's the rock. Well, Look at that belt. You got it. Hey, wait. There's Austin. What the hell is 
you can't keep Stone Cold down for long, can you? He always comes back, and he's got the monster truck. I wonder what Austin's got planned here. The Rock's saying no. Is that the Rock's car? Uh, yes, sir. It's, uh, That's the Rock's car. He wanted me to make sure I kept an eye on it. It's brand new. He made damn well sure Are I the keys in it? Yes. The keys are in it? Yeah. I don't think he wants you to touch it, though. Oh, okay, but thank you for your help. He's parked Rock's car up. He's got back in a monster truck. That's a $40,000 car there. I mean, at this point, I just fell in love with Steve Austin. He's driving into the arena right now in a monster truck. Right to where the funeral's set up. <laughs> right up to the ring. And here comes Austin. He's popping a beer. Oh, and Austin reversing out of it now. I knew he'd show up. The rattlesnake will never let you down. you damn right. Oh, hell yeah, he's here. This is no way to show up for your funeral. Just left the monster truck in the middle of the hurts. <laughs> oh, the Rock attempts to hit Austin over the head with a bell, but Austin ducks it and hits him with some lefts and rights. The Rock's in trouble, thrown against the barricade now. Well, the Rock has <laughs> destroyed two vehicles. Now he's looking to destroy the Rock. Throws him off against the hearse. Throws him off against the monster truck. <laughs> Throws him over the steel structure. And now he's getting taken up to the grave site. Austin's got the Smoking Skull title as well. Knocks the rock into the grave. Stone Cold's not finished. Oh, wait a minute. He's going to grab himself Steve Weiser. Also just throwing a beers on the rock. Oh, classic Steve Austin there. Celebrating with a beer. Oh, but Shane O'Mac from behind with a shovel. One foul swoop. And he takes that title back off Austin. Look at Shane's face here as well. It's really weird. Look. So Shane Man was the special guest for a free at time. But I mean, you, you talk about moments. And for me, it's a classic raw moment. Watching that as a kid, and thinking, what else could happen here, you know? I thought The Rock was stolen the Undertaker's gimmick with doing the, the casket thing at the funeral. Then you had Austin arriving in a pickup truck, destroying Rock's new car and the hearse, come out here, putting a whooping on The Rock as well. I mean, it's just everything that you'd want as a fan, you know? And I think that's why, for me, it's definitely my um, top four moment. You know, I absolutely loved it. Right, uh, moving on to your number four. For those of you that may have forgot, when The Rock returned to the WWE's in early 2003, he took on a Hollywood persona. It's very similar to what The Miz is doing right now since he recently returned from filming the 200th installment of The Marine. Well, Rocky came back on the January 30th episode of SmackDown 
and they still had his face being playing at the end of the segment, but he was acting like a heel the whole time. But almost every appearance in this time span involved Rocky taunting and belittling fellow WWE superstars along with the crowd. He would do that by playing one of his famous rock concerts, which was when he'd mocked the host city for the episode of Raw. Even with that, it was hard for the WWE Universe to boo him all of the time as the fans loved him too much. Uh, Raw 513 on March the 24th, 2003. WrestleMania 19, just six days away. And I'd just like to add that this is a lot better than the GPDs performing as well. I don't know about that. We'll see how Rock, you know, compares to the GPD. I mean, GPD is a trained professional, don't forget about that. Can and the play Rock the isn't, exactly. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know if the Rock can play. We, we, we shall see here, shan't we, you know? We shall. We shall, shall shan't we, yes. Welcome, welcome, Somewhat self-serving, he asked me. First ever evening with The Rock. Look at the ring there. Look at the Rock. in concert. The Rock feels so good. He's so happy. Why? Because The Rock is right here in Sacramento. Sacramento. Stuffing up the crowd now. I tell you what. The absolute best part about being here in Sacramento is in about an hour and a half, The Rock is going to leave Sacramento. <laughs> no better song to start off the show than huh? Leaving Sacramento. Sacramento, there I go. Leaving Sacramento. Sacramento, there I go. They got some fat ass women there, and Rock is gonna just say no. <laughs> what a song, just say no. Well, I might take a plane, I might take a train. How do you people live here? You must be insane. I'm leaving Sacramento. What a song. Sacramento, I won't stay. Check this out, check this out. Check it out. But I'll be sure to come back when the Lakers beat the Kings in May. I'll be sure to come back when the Lakers beat the Kings in May. And that's number one with a bullet. So, Dan, why have you picked this one of your moments? It's kind of being the Miz before he was the Miz. You know, before the Miz done it. And, you know, he's he's been in Hollywood doing some films. I think he'd just done uh, Scorpion King. Right, yeah. I think it was about this time. And, you know, he was just a really cocky, arrogant arsehole. But I don't know, it's... I just, you know, the way he puts it together, the, the music, the lyrics, and we all know what Rock's like when he's singing to someone. No, I see what he says there. Oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Austin, jealous. Wait a minute. Hey, hey. Don't get mad at The Rock because The Rock's good friend Shaquille O'Neal called him the Sacramento Queens now. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, we got to move this show along. We might be running out of time. Hold on. Austin, Austin. That was for you. I'll tell you what. Austin, if, if if you can see The Rock, you can hear The Rock. The Rock's got a special song, Austin, just for you. Check this out. Here we go. Uh, listen, Austin, don't roll your windows up. You ain't nothing but a 
redneck <laughs> Crying all the time Oh man You ain't nothing but a redneck Crying all the time Well you ain't gonna beat the rock Your candy ass is mine Oh my god what a great song <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Not done. Well, if you think you're gonna beat the rock, your bald ass must be high. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got an ambulance. Somebody fainted. Who fainted? Girls rock fainting. singer so good. Who fainted? An ambulance has just come in and Austin's screeched after it and he's following it into the arena after not being able or not being allowed to be in the arena because uh, I think The Rock's got a restraining order on him at the time. And The Rock has just called out about 20 security guards or police officers to keep Austin away from The Rock. We're in the clear. Now, for the millions of millions, who wants to hear another sound? The rock concert's been cut short now. I just like the Austin funeral's been cut short. The rock concert's been cut short by Austin. That was a great moment. <laughs> so that was the rock's concert then, Dan. I mean, final thoughts about that? Um, well, it was entertaining, you know. It's uh, we, We've been blessed with the GPD of nowadays, and he's kind of like a guitar-playing douche crossed between the Miz, but better. <laughs> you know, he, he's a Hollywood brat actor. Um you know, and he comes out, sings some funny songs, and he actually gets to finish his songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to his credit, he he does actually, he has quite a nice voice, so we'll give him credit for that. And he gets a very strong reaction from the crowd as well. Yeah, fans love him, didn't they? So, but we move on to talk about, I mean, this is probably dedicated to Steve Austin, but my number three moment is Austin Destroys Alliance, July 16th, 2001, episode 4 at WrestleMania 17, Austin had turned heel, but when WCW invaded, WF had no choice but to turn to their saviour, the old stone-cold Steve Austin. And this is a huge pop. So a bit of backstory on this, James. What is it? Just about the invasion time. It's coming up to Survivor Series? No, it is. Or is it Invasion? It's coming up to Invasion. So what basically has happened, WCW have arrived, and so has ECW have joined forces. We found out Stephanie and Shane are uh, running these two companies, Vipal Heyman, to destroy the WWF. So at the moment, the main event of Raw, DDP and Rhino versus Untake and Kane. But we've got the inaugural brawl, which is five of the Alliance's best versus five of the WWF best. But their very best, Stone Cold Steve Austin, ain't so, so great. And what kind of Heyman's been saying? And Vincent Mahan has been pleading for Austin, the old Stone Cold Steve Austin, back. But at this moment in time, he's in a bar, just drinking, completely ignoring what's going on. So we're going to focus on this main event right now. Kane and the Untaker vs. Rhino DDP. And the Brothers of Destruction are certainly going old school on Rhino's ass. But can Kurt Angle step up to the plate and become the leader of the World Wrestling Federation against well, the Alliance? Most definitely. He's been surprised once since WrestleMania to show that he's WWF loyal. And DDP was a stalker of Untaker as well, so they've got history. Oh, my God, this is broken down now. Referee's got no control. Here come the Dudleys. And Here Bo- comes Booker T. It is. The- and it's five on two now in the Alliance's favour. Well, this is not fair. 
It's not fair at all. This is gang warfare at the moment. We want Stone Cold Steve Austin. We want anybody out here. Here we go now. It's Chris Jericho, Bradshaw, Farouk, the Hardys, and Angle. Oh, no. More Alliance members and the Alliance outnumbering the WWF members. There's just too many of them. It's gone crazy here on Monday Night Raw. Dreamer RVD, they're working on Matt Hardy. Chuck Palumbo, one of the big men. Chavo Guerrero, of course. And now they're even fighting outside the arena. There's the Holly Cousins getting beaten down by three members of the Alliance. Uh, Just incredible. Hugh Morris there. Oh, my days. Who's that just pulled up in a pickup, James? It's Stone Cold! Stone Cold! And he's got half a pull cue. And he's beating the shit out. Just incredible. And here he comes now. Where's he going to come out to the arena? Surely not. Don't call me Shirley. Fucking popping there. <laughs> and the bionic redneck just making his way down to the ring without a care in the world. So there's a huge pop. Is that the old Austin James? Is it? Well, I don't know. Let's see what he does when he gets to the ring. See how many stunners he delivers. Yeah. Right hands at the moment. He's hitting anything that moves. I love JR. This is brilliant as well. One. Two. <laughs> three, three. Four. Five. <laughs> A six-pack of stunners. Oh. <laughs> Seven stunners. Oh, Kidman and Charmer in trouble. Oh, my God. Boom. Both of them get choke slammed to hell. I mean, what a hell of a moment that is. You know that? I mean, I absolutely love it. <coughs> it's probably one of my favourites. And But I tell you something, Dan, and I know you won't mind. There's an even better promo about that. And I just want to play that video now because it's, it's one of the all time. I fucking love it. I love it. I love it. The music's so sad as well. Freddie Blassie and everything. Here we go. Last Thursday. You know what I need? You know who I need? I need the old Stone Cold. I need the Stone Cold Steve Austin who's a beer-swilling Stone Cold. Not only is Stone Cold not here, but he's at some local bar drinking. I gotta go find Stone Cold, okay? No one's ever threatened the WWF like this WCW-ECW combination. We've never had that kind of threat. Steve. Steve, I need your help. This Sunday at Invasion, and you know who will it's our five best against their five best and their very best. Stone Cold Steve Austin ain't at his best anymore, now is he? Starting tonight, we ain't taking it no more. It is up to every one of you to take out the WWF forever. Yeah! There's no shame in going out and fighting 
and getting your kicked. The line in the sand has been drawn. There's no going back. Hey, after this Sunday, there is no tomorrow. But there's no honor. I'm not fighting at all. Are you with us? Gentlemen, there comes a time when every man must fight for what he believes in. Now is the time. Get up, stand up. Let's do it, guys. And fight! After all that, Austin turned on the WF and joined the Alliance. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the reasons I picked the Austin with the Alliance thing was because at that time, WWE versus WCW, it was the kind of biggest moment in professional wrestling. You know, WCW was fighting WF for so many years. Came to that point, you were ready for it. You are chomping at the bit. The Austin versus Goldberg, didn't you? You wanted to see Sting versus Yantake. You wanted to see Nash and Hall versus Edge and Christian. And yet you didn't, you didn't get it. But at that time, you, you wanted anything to go. And to see the old Stone Cold Steve Austin back after what they did to at WrestleMania 17 was good to see. The old Stone Cold. But that is my uh, <laughs> number three moment. Dan, what is yours? My number three moment... It happened on Raw 1097 on the 2nd of June 2014. And it's before WrestleMania 30, a breakup of the Shield was heavily teased, but never executed. The decision was made to turn the Shield into a babyface group by extremely positive reception. This move by WWE immediately stymied the threat of a Shield breakup. As a result, we got to experience more of ma- amazing matches involving the Shield including the elimination match against Evolution at Payback. However, on Raw, the unexpected happened. The Shield suddenly fractured in spectacular fashion when Seth Rollins turned on his stablemates to join Evolution. In executing this, WWE did an absolutely amazing job at tricking almost every one of us, including me. Yeah, so here we go. It's the Shield's last ever entrance. So Batista walked out on Evolution. And now we get set for our main event. The Shield, the group who knocked off Evolution last night. This contest is set for one fall. Coming down the aisle, representing The Shield. Weighing 265 pounds, Roman 
Isn't it incredible to think these three guys, the success they would have, all WWE champions, though? I know. Would you have thought that at this time? When you're watching it, Dan, in your PJs in 2014, <laughs> did you think that any of these three guys would become WWE champion? Honest um, opinion now. I honestly thought that Roman would be going to become champion. I wasn't too sure about the other two. Being the Majet, the, the Majetti, the uh, Ginetti. I tell you, I thought, Ro- I thought Rollins was going to be the Gabriel of Nexus. You know, <laughs> kind of high-flying baby face. Yeah. Didn't really work out. I thought Ambrose they were building up towards a hill turn. I thought, yeah, my Ambrose, but definitely Reigns was it. Couldn't believe what they'd done. It's kind of stroke of genius, really, wasn't it? Why have you picked this moment for? Um, I, I just picked it because it's, you know, it's one of the most recent standout moments. I know we've seen, like, DX breaking up multiple times. But I don't know. It's, it's I think it's, I've chosen it because it's quite a recent moment. Yeah. You know, I think it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, like the, an RKO. The group was on top of the world, weren't they? They just the defeated Evolution the night before. Clean sweep, completely dominated. In, I'm not talking about any stable. I mean, Evolution, they've got Orton in it for starters. Yeah, 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 they've got there, Triple yeah. H, who doesn't like to lose to anyone. And they've got Batista, who's the animal. Yeah. So, you know, I know the Shield up to this point have been... They've been great. You know, they've they've been fairly unstoppable, but... They've been no evolution, you know. They're yeah. not multiple-time heavyweight champions and world champions, rumble winners. They're nothing of the sort. They're just, you know, three guys who have been together through NXT. They came on, they shocked the world by beating Evolution in a clean sweep. And yeah, you know, up to this point, everything was going perfect. They're brothers. Yeah. They're together. They're tight. Adapt or perish. That was the whole deal, right? Last night at Payback. The shield adapted while evolution perished. And earlier tonight, the whole world was a witness to their implosion. And the reason evolution perished was because even though they are three of the greatest superstars in the history of this industry, last night they were not one like the Shield. In the end, they were just three strangers who happened to be standing on the same side of the ring. They weren't brothers. The men standing in this ring are brothers. This is evolution. This is the shield. So Randy Orton, bring your ass out here and let me break your jaw with the symbol of excellence.
Roman Reigns is ready. What's the mystery, James? Well, here come Evolution. Broken. Beaten. Triple H hiding a microphone. Where's Rollins gone? Well, he's seen Triple H with a sledgehammer, so he's going to get himself an equaliser. Okay, that's fair. Couple of chairs. One for him and one for one of his brothers. Yeah. In case you haven't figured it out yet, what I do better than anybody is adapt. Last night was plan A. Tonight, plan B. There's always a plan B. What in the bloody fuck? Well, Seth just hit Roman on the back with a chair. Can he say accidentally done it? Can, did it, can he say he slipped? Might have tripped. Uh-oh. Ambrose goes for questions and he gets a chair in the back for his troubles. And that is Triple H's plan B. Oh, my God. He hits Reigns once. <laughs> and he hits Ambrose like five, six, seven, eight times. Oh, another one for Roman Reigns. Another one for Ambrose, though. That chair another two for Ambrose. is broken. Another three... See, he obviously sees Ambrose as the biggest threat because he had to hit him like fucking 20 times. and it's... Well, you sold out chance in the arena. I don't think Rollins is finished yet. He's giving Dean a chair. So, go on, then. Look, and Dean's still getting up from it. Reigns is like a little bitch on his back. Curb stomp from Ambrose's head to the chair. And there you have the destruction of the shield. I mean, Dan, final thoughts why you picked this? I think in quite a predictable time, you couldn't see something like this coming. You know, just like one, two, three, kid beat Razor Ramon. It's something that you didn't see coming. You know, the Shield were on top of the world. They just defeated one of the best stables, or what, or you know, a stable with the most championship reigns between them. And you know, you thought the Shield was unstoppable. You thought that was going to go on forever. But you know, after not a long time of being together, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a couple of years. They, they, you know, they they imploded. What a horrible moment that is to remember. No, we do move on, though, to my number two. Two! And it's Ziggler cashes in, April 8th, episode 1037, 2013. Dolph had won Money in the Bank in 2012, and we had to wait until the night after WrestleMania 29. It's one of the biggest pops ever. WrestleMania 29, it was going to be Swagger versus um, Del Rio, and basically the fans ruined it by chance ever so loudly during the entire match. Ziggler, it was his time to finally, you know... Reach the upper echelon that we've been waiting for as Ziggler fans for so long. And in 2013, we thought we were going to get it. We go to the dying moments of Swagger versus Del Rio. The fans just turned against this completely. Swagger was going through his kind of second or third push again as being a world heavyweight champion challenger. Wasn't working. And Del Rio, the kind of Mexican fans that Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero did, which again didn't work. Now you got Seb Carter on one side. What's his name? Ricardo Rodriguez. Ricardo Rodriguez in the other. And Swagger taps out. So remember the Austin pop, yeah? Remember the Austin pop? We'll put that into this pop here and see which one pop is bigger. Pop, pop. What a courageous effort by Del Rio. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes. Finally. Finally. Ziggler. He's going to cash it in. With the money. The money the bank Ladies and gentlemen, Dolph Ziggler is cast. 
imagine being in that crowd at that moment. Going, yeah, come on, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Del Rio can barely stand. Here we go. Faye Massa. One, two. Oh, Del Rio managing to kick out. Ah. Did he say fuck? Biggie and AJ can't believe it. So he's going to go back to that injured leg. And Biggie going from being a silent enforcer to such an influence, influential part of the new day. But this isn't about Biggie Langston. It's about Ziggler. Oh, he just missed Del Rio. Now Del Rio, cross arm breaker. Now we're going to go for Inseguri. Step up Inseguri. Nearly knocked Ziggler's head off. <laughs> the fans do not approve. Well, Ziggler nearly getting pinned there. You don't see that usually with Money in the Bank cash-ins. This is turning into a proper match. Looking for the cross arm breaker. He's got it. Nearly locked in. Well, Ziggler is in a lot of trouble now. What can he do? Oh, he twists the leg of Del Rio. Oh, the injured leg. Gets out of it. Ziggler waiting for Del Rio to get up. Zigzag. Finally, Dolph Ziggler is a world heavyweight champion. What a moment, Dolph Ziggler there. I mean, it is quite incredible. One of the reasons I picked it is, like you said, we everybody was expecting his cash in at WrestleMania. And then when it didn't happen, you thought, oh, maybe it won't then for a little while. Coming out here, and he deserves it. Ziggler worked so hard to get to the position he was in. It's a great moment to finally be accepted as a main event star. Unfortunately, Ziggler would lose the World Heavyweight title on a couple of weeks later due to concussion and never really be a main eventer again. But <laughs> apart from that, this moment here is special, Dan. Come on. I mean, what are your thoughts? Indeed, yes. Um, it was impressive. It's, you know, Dolph Ziggler, he's, he's worked away for a while after this and, you know, it's, <coughs> it's deserved for him. Yeah. Bless him. <coughs> Fair play, AJ and Biggie. Congratulating Dolph. Fantastic moment. My number two moment. And Dan, let me see your number two. Well, James, talking of number twos, my second favourite moment. <laughs> I, I'm sad to say this, but it actually involves Enzo Amore. Oh, my God. It's when he won the Cruiserweight title, isn't it? It's not him winning the Cruiserweight title, no. It's, uh, it's when Big Cass kicked the little scrawny bastard's head. Off his shoulders. Oh, my God. Episode 1,256 from the 19th of June, 2017. Monday Night Raw. Big Cass admitted he was the one who had attacked tag team partner Enzo Amore on multiple occasions backstage in previous weeks. Let's take a look at this, this breakup. Very reminiscent of the Rockers or some of the great... Is this for you, then, the greatest breakup Bigger than the shield, isn't it? For you, Enzo Big Cass, breaking out is bigger than the shield. We've got it on fact here on your Royal Moments, Dan. You are wearing a t-shirt as well. And, of course, a bit of backstory here. Enzo's been getting attacked backstage quite regularly. And they're trying to find out who's been doing it 
to to uh, Enzo and yeah. Cass. Well, it's uh, the biggest suspects in this case, and it's the revival. I don't blame them for doing it. <laughs> well, I think from the list of suspects, weren't there? No one liked Enzo. No. And, of course, another suspect, the big show. All right, gentlemen, you know why you're here. Now, I want to get to the point. I want to rule out at least a couple of you. So, big show, Cass said that when he got hit from behind, it felt like a very, very powerful punch to the back of the head. I got to ask you, man, you know this. After all we've been through, up and down the road together, you're going to ask me that. Kurt, you know me. And listen, as far as you two go, it's written on your shirts because you're both soft. I'm not going to attack you from behind. If I'm going to come at you, I'm going to come straight to your face and I'm going to punch you right in the mouth. And don't look at me, kid, like you want some, because you get more than you can handle. I promise you that. As far as you go, Kurt, everything we've been through, you're going to accuse me of going after these two and sneak attacking them? If that's what you think of me now at this stage of my career, maybe I don't need to be on your show anymore. There it is, Kurt. There's your answer. When our medical staff attended to me, they said I had a lump on the back of my head the size of a baseball. There's only one person here that can do that, and that's the Big Show. Oh. That's right, Big Show. You get out of here. We don't need a guy like you oh, around easy, here. Easy, Cass. We still have the Revival. And ever since Revival returned to Monday Night Raw... That's when these attacks occurred. All right, all right, all right, Kurt, yes, okay, okay. We've heard the same thing for four weeks, Jack. I mean, look, okay, uh, Dash, uh, we're not here to win a popularity contest. I'll admit that, but... Uh, you know we're innocent, okay? This time we're innocent. You've done your investigations, and there's nothing left for me and Dash to prove. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're right, you're right. After speaking to... Referees, producers, and other superstars, I've come to the conclusion that the revival has very solid alibis. Thank you. So after reviewing this for the past four weeks, I promise you this, guys. I will find out who did this. None of this is my moment. What? None of this is my moment. It's coming in a minute. What? I mean, they're just shocked. I mean... Big Cass seems to have betrayed Enzo Mori. I mean, I can't well, believe he, this, Dad. I can't understand why he picked this. He claims while he was hit on the back of his head. But his explanation... All right, let's hear him, then. Hear him out. Kurt, excuse me, I think I might be able to be of some assistance. Now, Big Cass, you just said something a few moments ago that simply isn't true. You claimed you had a lump the size of a baseball on the back of your head. Now, I did a little digging of my own, and I spoke to WWE's medical team, and none of them recall treating you at all. All right, it wasn't our medical team. It was the EMTs that attended to me. Same thing. All right, interesting. Uh, I suppose EMTs would be a medical team, not our medical team. But either way, what about last week? 
after you were attacked, you were never medically cleared and competed anyway. That's right, because I said I would never leave Enzo's side. Well, fair enough. Uh, we may not know what happened to Enzo for the few weeks before, or what happened to you two weeks ago, but I know what happened to you last week. Oh, you do? Well, why don't you show us your So, Kurt, if you'll oblige me, I think I have some security fit camera footage that might open your eyes as well as the WWE Universe. Gentlemen, can we roll the footage? Now what you're looking at is backstage at Monday Night Raw last week, and who's that? Well, that happens to be you, Big Cass. Out of here. And forgive me, but you look to be a little lost. Maybe you, you couldn't find your way to catering or... And unfortunately, there's nobody around that can seem to lead you in an improper direction. So whatever are you to do? Huh. Big Cass, you certainly are being very ginger with the metal staging. And yet again, perhaps, maybe this is some sort of pre-match ritual you have. I don't know. It seems a little unusual to me. But I'm sure the attackers will be by at any minute, right? There you go. I'm sure you've been really paranoid these last few weeks. You've been getting attacked from all sides. Somebody's bound to show up any minute now, but you kicked the box and... Wait a minute. What? If you guys could pause this right here, please pause it right there. Now, Big Cass, I, I find it a little curious that you're in the exact same position that you were found in by WWE referees and Enzo Amore. And you said that you were hit in the back by a knockout punch. But Cass, we both know nobody ever attacked you, did they? Big Cass, you attacked Enzo. There's more to it than what I've seen right I know there is. I know this. You're damn right I did it! Do you have any idea what it's like teaming up with you, Enzo? You just constantly run your mouth about God knows what every single minute of the day. You even ran your mouth to Conor McGregor. Do you know how many times I've wanted to slap you right upside your head? How many times I wanted to knock you out myself? But I didn't do it because I felt bad for you, Enzo. Because everybody behind that curtain doesn't like you. I felt bad for you, Enzo. Because everybody in the back doesn't like you. I felt bad for you, Enzo. And I have to admit, it felt damn good when I attacked you from behind.
You're right. And I would have snapped your little neck like a twig if I wanted to, but I didn't because I wanted to watch you suffer. And when things got a little bit hot and fingers pointed in my direction, I cooled them down because I wanted to see just how smart you were. I wanted to see if you were smart enough to realize what was going on around you. Or if you are just as dumb as you look. And I realized that you are even dumber. You are nothing more than dead weight that's holding me back from reaching my potential in the WWE. You are just dead weight holding me down when I should be rising to the top of the WWE. You're the reason I have never been a champion in WWE. I'm the star here. I'm the future. I'm where the money is. And you, your mouth just writes checks that your ass can't cash. Because Big Cass has always been behind you. Well, not for long. Because me and you, we are through. There, there it is. Did you see that moment? The tear. That is that. Great acting by Enzo. I can see why he picked it at number two moment, Dan. I really can. Oh! That's the moment right there. So your moment is Big Cass turning on Enzo Amore, tragically. I mean, Dan, what else do you want to add about your number two? Um, well, there's also a moment the next night on Raw where they come down together and... Enzo says, oh, no, it wasn't. Cass was just frustrated with not the wins. And then, pow, right in the kisser. <laughs> another attack. Um, it was a twofer. Yeah, well, anyway, we move on. And it is now my number one moment. And my uh, it is Austin versus Tyson. January 19th, episode 243, 1998. My number one moment ties in perfectly with last week's podcast. Austin had just won the Rumble and we found out Mike Tyson would be on Raw. How would these two combustible elements react? So this is Austin Tyson and then we'll delve into it. So this is your third is it... Austin moment? Yeah, well, come on now. Right, I know it's my third Austin. Austin is a huge part of Monday Night Raw. You had an Austin moment. You had an Austin moment. Don't lie to me. Yeah. You had an Austin moment. So... That's how good Austin was. Four moments out of the ten. You know. <laughs> One was more of big cast, my uh, Oh, sorry. I forget how much of a big cast fan you are. But anyway, this is the important stuff. Austin Tyson. Look how smug Vincent Mann looks. So what is the biggest announcement in World Wrestling Federation history, Vince, huh? However, wow. At this time, I would like to introduce to you a man who is simply the baddest man on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, Iron Mike T. 
Mike, it is unquestionably an honor and a privilege to have you standing in a World Wrestling Federation ring. Well, it's just a pleasure for me to be here. I, you know, I've been a fan, I've been following ever since I was eight, nine years old. Um, I'm just happy to be here. Who are some of your old-time favorites in the WWF? Bruno Sammartino. Yeah, all right. Don Leo Jonathan as well? Nikolai Volkman, I go way back from the 70s. <laughs> I'm just proud to be involved with this. You know? All right now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment we have awaited, the big announcement, and the announcement is that on March 29, at WrestleMania, in this very ring, yeah. Iron Mike Tyson. Well, Mr. Austin, why are you here? Because I'm sick and tired of seeing Mike Tyson. He comes in, he's shaking everybody's hands, making friends with all the WWF superstars, and it's made me so damn sick I've been in the back throwing up. Yeah, me too. I ain't gonna shake your damn hand because I ain't out here to make friends with you. Mike, I need to shut up. I respect, I respect what you've done in the boxing world, but Jesus Christ, son, when you step in this ring, you're messing with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's something you don't do. Yeah, you're on a different planet now. Let me make it short and sweet. What I'm telling you is I want a piece of Mike Tyson's ass. Whoa! Shut up. Don't say one word, Vince. I'll knock your damn lights out, too. I respect what you've done, Mike, but you're out here calling yourself the baddest man on the planet. Right now, you got your little beady eyes locked on the eyes of the world's toughest son of a bitch. I could beat you any day of the week. Twice on Sunday. Do I think I do I think you could beat my ass? Hell no. Do I think I could beat your ass? Why hell yeah? I don't know how good your hearing is, but if you don't understand what I'm saying, I always got a little bit of sign language. So here's to you.
There's absolute pandemonium at the moment. They're trying to get Austin out of the ring. <laughs> it's him and Matt saying, you ruined it. Trying to go for Austin. <laughs> Austin, that man had to be held back now as well. You see where the hatred was born. This is meant to be the biggest announcement in WWE history. And Austin's come out here. And just... Made it all about him. Yeah. Caught stirred hell. Shane's old invention. <laughs> I mean, it's just a fucking great moment, isn't it? You know, you talk about raw moments, you talk about ones that you remember, uh, and uh, the things with celebrities in wrestling. You could argue it's beneficial. You could argue sometimes uh, it goes against it because, like, when you look at what happened in WWE, when you had people like Karl Malone and Dennis Rodman, basketball players involved, or Jay Leno, who's putting Hogan in a, an arm lock, and even now when Snooki gets involved, or like we've seen Seth Green or people like that get involved in wrestling matches, it seems to be a bit of a joke. Whereas the Austin Tyson thing, Tyson reacting to Austin as in, what the fuck is this? Like, I've walked into the wrong... The baddest man on the planet has walked into this place, and it ain't him who's the toughest. It's actually Steve Austin, and Austin's saying, like, come on now, I'm going to take you out. I, no, that's how they built it, and yeah. that, that's how it looked, you know. And to, to do it like that, as opposed to him coming in and then Tyson just knocking him down a peg or two, you know. I know we'd get the Tyson knockout at Mania, but I think it set it all up where Tyson kind of respected Austin for it, and it made the Austin character kind of break through to that next level of being like, fucking hell, now we've got a, a true kind of super global superstar. And that's what it's all leading to now for Steve Austin, WrestleMania 14. It's going to be quite unbelievable. But Dan, only one more moment yet left, and it is your number one. It is, yes. And I know this ranked very highly in the WWE's pick, but I don't know, it's a moment that I just find really entertaining, and it's one of the best speakers on the mic, you know, arguably of all time. And uh, this is the CM Punk pipe bomb moment. And I'm sure everyone's seen it. But it is such an iconic moment. I've probably seen it about 10 times. And it is Raw episode 944 on the 27th of May, 2011. I mean, I love this pipe bomb moment. And like we said, I, uh, I, I could do eight podcasts long about how much I love CM Punk. But this is yeah. your moment, so I'm not take it away from you too much. Well, at that point, at this point, CM Punk was fed up with WWE and its inability or desire to push him as his contract would soon expire. Thus, threw him a bone. Punk was given a permission, uh, was given a microphone and permission to walk out in the arena after one, John C- one of John Cena's matches and air out his grievances with the organisation. And again, Stone Cold does feature in this moment, even if it is only a T-shirt, on CM Punk. Yeah, because we didn't know why he was wearing an Austin T-shirt. We, we didn't know anything. We were just watching the same old Raw. All of a sudden, Punk grabs a microphone wearing an Austin top. He's like, what the fuck's he doing? He's walking up the fucking ramp. You're just like, what? Our truth, our truth still moving 
slowly after hitting those steel steps. Look at how quickly Cena gets back in the ring after he shoves our truth back in. Uh -oh. Cena is ready. Yeah, you, you see what Cena's got on his mind? Yeah. Look at Cena Punk! Punk doing out here. Cena Punk! Cena Punk moved the table! That attitude adjustment would have put truth through the table. Cena would have won this match. Whoa. And now Punk and Cena. The number one contender and the WWE champion going at it. John Cena, while you, you lay there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be, I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE Championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am. And that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split, just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I 
I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien, I'm not on Jimmy Fallon, but the fact of the matter is I should be, and trust me, this isn't sour grapes, but the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year and I'm not makes me sick. Oh, and hey, let, let me get something straight. Those of you who are cheering me right now, you are just the biggest part of me leaving as anything else. Because you're the ones that are sipping out of those collector cups right now. You're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of. And then at 5 in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th. And hell, who knows, maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still gonna pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's gonna keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's gonna make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical, douchebag yes-men like John Laurinaitis, who's gonna tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon, all right? Do we do this whole bully camp? What a fucking well, moment, but yeah, go on. There we have it, and, you know, there's also a good one he has with, CM, uh, with Triple H as well, where, you know, he says, this isn't CM Punk talking to Triple H, Brooks talking to Paul Levesque, and, you know, it's they cut his mic off, and then Triple H gets another one, and, yeah, yeah. you know, I think this is what made CM Punk as to what he is, because, you know, he's, he's brilliant on the mic, he's absolutely brilliant in the ring, and he is one of the wrestlers... As do you, you know, I wish he would come back 
for at least a last hurrah. And, you know, I'd say give him exactly what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I love seeing Punk. But yes, uh, Punk was given a microphone and permission to walk out in the arena after one John Cena's matches and air out his grievances with the organisation. That inclu- included calling Chairman Vince McMahon's daughter, Stephanie, idiotic, and his son-in-law, Triple H, a doofus. He mentioned his time in New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor while breaking the fourth wall. Typically, a professional wrestling no-no. Some have suggested the promo was a complete went off script, but even Punk has admitted he got several of the comments approved. Still, the pipe bomb was a game changer. It made CM Punk one of the biggest WWE superstars in the world, as chronicled in the WWE CM Punk Best in the World documentary. The incident made Punk a media darling in demand for television, radio and convention appearances. WWE had yet another household name on its hands it could no longer hold back. As the story goes, some fictional, some real, Punk's contract was about to expire, giving him the opportunity to leave the organisation with the belt in hand. It was a storyline that played out in compelling fashion at Money in the Bank 2011 in Punk's hometown of Chicago. He would defeat John Cena, win the title and blow a kiss to Vince McMahon as he ran through the crowd with the WWE title in hand. Yeah, so that is our top five moments each, your top ten moments. And don't forget, let us know what your moments are on Raw and you, what you would, yeah, what your favourite moments are, what you think of our list as well. Yeah, what else would you put in? Don't forget to contact us on Twitter at WWNetReview for that. But a couple of honourable mentions. Well, I say a few honourable mentions. I mean, this this podcast, like I say, with the amount of moments, we could have done a hundred. We picked five each. But, I mean, stuff like... Uh, well, the Steph... Unholy Wedding, yeah, yeah, both of them. Yeah, is that, that both of them? We could have just picked Austin, just to have Austin Raw moments, which I nearly did. Yes, uh, WCW ECW 2001. Yeah, exactly, with they're finally joining, uh, making the alliance. Vince buying WCW oh, as Vince well. Vince thinking he's buying yeah, WCW. Yeah, and then it's shame. And the name on the contract does read McMahon. <laughs> Uh, Bischoff McMahon first time. Yeah, Bischoff. Oh, Bischoff, not Bischoff. <laughs> well, come on, who else is it going to be? It's not going to be fucking George Bush. Bush. <laughs> Bischoff and McMahon the first time. That, well, when Bischoff is part of the company. No, he became general manager, didn't yeah. they? And they shared the hug on stage. And John Cena becoming the draft, uh, number one draft pick for Raw in 2005. Triple H's return. Yeah, Madison Square Garden was rocking there in 2002, wasn't it? Y2J making his debut as a Millennium Man. The Rock of Mankind, This Is Your Life. Yeah, one of the highest rated segments in Raw history. Uh, beer or Milk Bath, pick you one you want. Kurt Angle with the Alliance, or of course Austin with uh, Stephanie tri- Triple H, wedding and divorce. The yeah, drive through yeah. wedding. Yeah. And then, of course, the divorce at the end where she's screaming. With the new collection on the network, you can watch all 100 moments. Right, so let's talk Raw 25. Now we're going to do before and after. Uh, what I want quickly, Dan, is are you excited for Raw 25 and what do you want to see at the event? I don't know. I'm quite excited by it, but I think since social media's leaked everyone, there's going to be no surprises left. Yeah, but <laughs> is, that, is that a good thing, though? Are you, did you want a couple of surprises I'd, then? I'd like it all to have been a surprise. I suppose so, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it makes it more special, but no, everyone's been here, there and everywhere. And you hear that, you know, DX, all the DX are going to be there. 
Nash was going to be there, but he's not now, you know, and a few other faces. Uh, I, it, even weirder was like MVP's going to be there as well. It's like he hasn't yeah. worked for the company so long, and how you know, and but see, for Raw 25 preview synopsis celebration Raw Monday night when TV's longest running weekly episodic TV show commemorates its 25th anniversary with returning W legends like The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Superstars from see that so that's the first thing they say. Stone Cold and Yantek are gonna be there. So it's legends. Superstars from both Team Red and SmackDown Live and in the Continental Championship match pitting Rome Reigns against the Miz and much more. Don't miss the action from Raw Barclays Manhattan Centre. Be sure to tune into the Raw twenty five pre show. So there's a pre show to this event as well. So how big is Raw gonna be? It's gonna be an hour pre show starting at seven o'clock. I'm looking forward to it. I wanna see Undertaker make a major announcement. Uh, I want to find out what's going on with him there. I want to see a couple of WrestleMania matches. Uh, so, of course, I want to see a few segments and stuff to make me laugh. But I also want a couple of bits uh, to look forward. We're going to talk. We're going to review the whole thing. So, is there anything you want to see? I want to see some shocking moments. I want to see some unexpected moments. What I want is a new Intercontinental Champion in the Miz beating Roman Reigns. And like I said about the Undertaker, but we're going to find out because we're going to watch it and then review it. It's uncut. Uncooked, uncensored. We are live from New York City's Manhattan Center. Oh, yeah. yeah. We want to thank you very much for inviting us into your home in 20 languages in over 160 countries around the world. showed that uh, that I have to retire. I have loved this in a way that I have never loved anything else. I want to thank you for the memories 
and the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! So light em up! Tyson Austin! Fight bomb! It is now time, Dan, to finally talk about Raw 25. All this build-up, all the hype, and now we're finally going to delve deep into it. And we're going to start off because the Raw was so big this this time round that we actually had a pre-show. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched most of the pre-show, but then I was kind of in and out of it. But here's the notes. So we get Renee Young, Peter Rosenberg, and David Utunga. They all have a raw moment all each. They're all, then they go to the Manhattan Centre where the King and JR say a few words. I tell you what, King does look young. And the coat he says he's had for 25 years. He's in full King costume, which is good. And they talk about, course, moments from Raw. They said it's the hottest ticket in town. We then see APA backstage, which was quite nice. Hopefully we can see them during Raw. All moments, we see uh, what superstars will be appearing tonight. They focus on Austin for a little bit about all the crazy stuff he does. They interview Roman Reigns, and he's basically very confident about retaining the Intercontinental title. And then The Miz is on uh, Twitter with Maurice, and he's saying it's his time tonight to become eight-time champ. We see a Mankind clip that we have watched on the podcast before. And then Bischoff McMahon, you know, when Bischoff became the general manager. And then Eric Bischoff did indeed panel, which I think was a really nice moment uh, because I really do like Eric Bischoff. But fuck me, he looks old now. He really does look old. I mean, no offence, you know. He was dying his hair, what? 15, you know, 18, 15 yeah, years ago he's now. Got, so. He's gone full silver fox. He's now. gone full silver, but now he's got the jowls, you know, like the jowls. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we might see a lot of that tonight. Then we see Bailey in the bank. Uh, Bailey in the back, she's talking about how excited she is. She bumps into Trish Stratus, and then there's a really nice moment between the two of those. Uh, Trish basically saying to Bailey, Oh, uh, I hope you do well at the Royal Rumble. And Bailey saying to Trish, You were basically my old all growing up, which I thought was a really nice moment. I mean, but again, Trish does look a bit old, but to be fair, it is 18 years ago now, you know what I mean? So I, I'll, I'll still would. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. If you knocked on the door, I wouldn't be saying, oh, Trish, sorry, sorry. No, I'd be no, like, no. oh, it's yeah. time to rock and roll, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Linda McMahon knocked on the door, I'd be like, yeah, all right, come on in. <laughs> then we'll go to Raw 1, and uh, they show basically Taker versus uh, Damien Demento. Wouldn't that be good if someone covered that? Uh, <laughs> which we have. Basically show a video package of that. Then we see as the, the this is, uh, I love this bit. Because you've got the the kickoff panel there, but behind him, obviously, you've got the entranceway and everything like this. So during the panel, you can see main event sign go up, so where they're filming main event matches. Uh, the cruiserweight sign, where there's a couple of cruiserweight matches, and then you see Stephanie. You, you see Stephanie coming out, or you you know you hear the music, you hear the reaction, and then Shane and Renee Young. Credit to her during all this is trying to go, and of course, don't forget you can you know talk to her, trying to scream as loud as she can, try and get over the cheers. Uh, and that was basically it, because then, of course, Raw 25 did start. So, I mean, the pre-show was, I don't know, like, it wasn't really worth it. But then again, people could argue that 
WWE pre-shows aren't worth it, and the only you know the only pre-show or kickoff that people do listen to is the WNR podcast. And <laughs> coincidentally, we are live tomorrow night on Saturday for NXT Takeover at eleven, and then Sunday at ten p.m. We do move on, and now it's time for the Raw review. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I know you've got a a shit ton of notes here, Dan. Uh, what I'm going to do. So I know you've got loads of notes. I know you watch Raw every week. And I don't want to kind of say too much over you. So I'll let you, you go through. Like I say, I've got a few notes and pointers. So take it away. Yeah, well, you know, my first comment was it does actually look like the first ever Raw, mm-hmm. which I think is a really good point. You know, they've even got the old school barriers. The ring looks pretty much the same, you know, aside from the WWE version of the yes. WWF yeah, logo. Yeah. But no, I think it looks great. And then, you know, we get a little intro from JR and King. Yeah, like you said, the Manhattan set low, it's good because we watched the first Raw to compare the two, and they do get it spot on. I even like the Ico Pro sign they've got up in the uh, the crowd, and people might be going, what the fuck is Ico Pro? And like we talked about in the first Raw, that was Vince McMahon's kind of um, bodybuilding supplement that he thought was a good idea. So they even got that down to a yeah. T. But then, yeah, you said then they moved over to the uh, main arena, I suppose. Uh, yeah, they did. And uh, we go to Stephanie and Shane. They get quite a good reception, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, Stephanie confuses me sometimes because she kind of plays the face character when yeah. when Stephanie's actually a heel. And you can see the interaction between her and Shane. Yeah. It, 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 quite brother, sisterly, quite friendly, quite nice. And you're like, so is this the Stephanie we've got now? Or, you know? Indeed, yes. You know, it is, it is a bit confusing how she plays face and heel. It's... You know, it kind of throws things off. I know it's a big moment here on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she she always does. She always likes, you know, welcome to Raw, she likes to do. Uh, I think with Shane McMahon, I thought he'd stop sweating when he came back, but it's obvious that he's got this problem. (laughs) He has, yes. You know, you can understand that (laughs) under the lights it is hot because, you know, where we sat pretty much inside uh, it was really hot. And I think the reason why he's wearing that jacket is because, you know, with the black shirt that he was wearing, he probably got huge uh, sweat patches that probably sweat stains, yeah, don't look great I, on HD. But it looks like he's got a vest and a shirt yeah. and a leather jacket. Yeah, it's, You know, it's kind of... He must be sweating. Exactly. It might be cold outside, but he seems to always have a sweat on when he comes into the arena. But, no, you know, they come out, they, they thank everyone, you know, everything. They thank the backstage staff, all the wrestlers. I think there's been like about 800 different wrestlers that have appeared on Raw over the past 25 years. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something they don't normally do. I don't know if it's Shane just saying that or what they want to say, but they don't They don't normally thank the talent involved, do they? They kind yeah. of leave it as that. Well, you know, they, it's not just the talent. It's all the backstage staff. It's the cameramen. You know, everyone that makes Monday Night Raw possible. Yeah. And then, you know, we get an extended look back at all the shows that we've We've seen throughout the years, you know, and all the moments, and we're going to get a few of these. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and of course, the the video you talk about being played on Raw is the one that started off this Raw twenty five review. That is, that's the same video. Like you said, loads of moments. All of our top ten moments basically featured in this. And again, I think WWE. You talk about production values and what they do right. Yeah, it is. This kind of thing, isn't it? This video, yeah. looking back, that WWE do so well that like you just but, you like. Know, oh, you yeah. also get the sad moments thrown in there. Daniel Bryan's retirement, Edge's retirement, Ric Flair's retirement, you know, and even Warriors' last show on Raw as well. Yes, yeah, that, that is true. I mean, this is the thing, you know, and you look back at like the just in in general, 
in general. general. The Owen Hart tribute show they had, you know, Eddie Guerrero, the Chris, Chris Benoit, Benoit tribute. <laughs> tribute show they had. So, a lot of, you know, so there's been some sad moments uh, over 25 years. But, you know, they, they say this is all down to one person, you know, the man who started it all, the man who came up with the idea, the man who came up with the dream, the man who stuck by it. And uh, that one man is Vinnie Mac. Yeah. I do love the reception he gets, though, when they come out. The crowd just go absolutely nuts. Yeah, Stephanie and Shane definitely wouldn't be there if it weren't for Vince Man. You get it? They do go banana, don't they? It's just how they start singing his tune as well. I love it. This is probably the best segment. Out of he looks old. He, no, he does look old. I mean, what a pop Vince Man getting, but I mean, yeah, he does look old. Uh, I was watching Rumble 2016 the other day, and even he looked younger then and that's only a couple yeah. of years and then I was because obviously I didn't have anything to do watching Raw 1000 he comes out that's how long ago is that six years ago and you're just like yeah he is you know it's his, it's the eyes isn't it you yeah. know he, he really has and the crowd they're just singing along to his tune it's, I think it's brilliant this is probably the best reception Vince has ever got in yeah. his career that is quite nice to have the show started by Shane Stephanie and Vince to have the actual McMahon's there. You well, know I, I mean? think like, it would have been good if if they was, you know, at the man. Is it Manhattan? Th- this is Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, at the other one. Yeah, yeah, in Manhattan, Man- the other one, sorry, yeah. It would have been good if they was at the Manhattan and Vince had come out and said, Welcome, everybody. Yes, welcome to Monday Night Raw. I think he does deserve a thank you, Vince chant. You know, yeah, but I like what Stephanie says as well. So you might be a bit harder hearing that they say thank you. Yeah. Man. <laughs> but that is actually because as well that Vince has got trouble hearing like uh, she's actually bringing light to it now like the fan you know you know he acknowledges it I think it's quite mad how he's playing a bit of a facey Vince and then it's classic McMahon isn't it yeah he's smelling the roses and he had enough I, I didn't I, I didn't understand this bit Shane and Stephanie say they started to go fund me which I guess is because they want people to raise money for it. As well, it's, it's something, you know, they, they could easily pay for yeah, this exactly, out of their yeah. own pocket, but they wanted everyone to be able to contribute to it as well. And I think because the money raised wasn't enough, that's why they just got a, a plaque, basically. But still, I, I would hang it up in my room. I wouldn't have any problem with that. Right, so then Vince basically cusses down the crowd and said he did it all by himself. We have a, a surprise for you. We got you a little something. Okay, now... This isn't just from Shane and I. It isn't just from everybody here in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn or everybody in the Manhattan Center. This is from people all over the world because Shane and I started a GoFundMe account to have this for you. Dad, we present you with this commemorative plaque for 25 years of Monday Night Raw. It's mahogany. It's a plaque. It's a, it's a. It's a plaque. Plaque. So let me get this straight. Commemorative. Says your name. Here, hang on, let me hold it. It feels, it feels a little cheap. It feels cheap, but then again, we are here in Brooklyn. Give me a plaque. After all I've done for you for 25 years, and you give me, wow, you give me a plaque. Everybody's out here thanking everybody. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
The only person in the world I need to thank is me, because I did it all. I did it all by myself. I didn't need any of you. I didn't need my family members. I didn't need anyone but me. No one. There's not one person in the world that's ever helped me. And we talked about Vince McMahon's pop, which was huge. The Vince McMahon yeah. swallow. <laughs> yeah, he always got to say it in his throat, hasn't he? Got, suppose he didn't do the year. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin, we talk about Vince McMahon looking old. How yeah. good does Austin look? You know? <laughs> he really does. It looks like he could get back in the ring tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, That's... I put on my notes, glass shatters, and Vince gives a big swallow. <laughs> <laughs> Austin's just incredible. Just sitting out here face to face with McMahon. And I think Vince is quite good in this. This, this is quite good for McMahon. I see the look in your eye. And let me explain a few things. It's been a long time since you and I have been in the ring together. And a lot of things have changed. You look great. Uh, but obviously Mother Nature has not been too kind to me. What I'm trying to say is, Steve... Times have changed. Uh, I'm now a senior citizen. But I'm a senior citizen, but Shane changed in his prime. I'm Shane, Shane's in his prime. God, he looks so good. Look at him. My God, he flies off of one side of the ring to the other, comes way down. Yeah, he's changed in his prime. Oh. Did he get headbutted by Kevin Owens earlier last year? He did, he did. Yeah. Yeah. That's the last time we saw Vince. And now he's saying like he can't take it anymore. Well, he's kind of feeding Shane to the wolves. Yeah. He's jumping <laughs> off cages, jumping from one end of the <laughs> ring to the other. Shane's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So they shook hands, it's fine. Yep, he's saying, look, Shane's the man. I'm raising his hand. Shane still takes a fucking stunner, doesn't he? He still takes it well. Oh. They cued his music a bit too soon, I think. He's offering Stone Cold a beer. (laughs) That's a great (laughs) line, my man. I don't blame you, Steve. He had it coming. (laughs) And for old time's sake, he's got a beer. Fast charting one more time. I don't think Shane can have a beer. Vince and Austin do cheers. It goes over Vince's jacket. Do it again. And Vince, annoyed, but is going to forgive him. Gingerly taking a mouthful of their beer. <laughs> and now it's hugs all round. They finally buried the hatchet. And Austin's music hits for the second time or third time. And the beer's coming. <laughs> Look at Vince pouring the beer on Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Tells Vince he's number one and drops the boss with a stunner. Takes better than he did 21 years ago, doesn't he? <laughs> he does indeed, yes. <laughs> Do you think you, t- you took a stunner? Yeah, 20, 20 years ago. And Shane's finally recovered from his stunner. Austin's giving him a beer, saying no hard feelings. Yeah. And Austin necks a couple of Steve Weisers, calls for some more, and he's going to his corners to celebrate. No, and Shane's with Shane. Yeah, that's nice. Shane takes a big mouthful. <gasps> Spit out. Yeah. Hello, yeah. Shane. Shane and his second stunner. So we see three stunners. We do see three. And it's a really good, feel, uh, really nice, feel-good moment with Steve Austin coming out here. 
<laughs> Again, I don't want to put a dampen on it. I mean, what did you think of the segment first? I thought it was great. Yeah, you know, it's good to see. It, it seemed like it was a bit too scripted for me, though. You know, it wasn't that impressive. But it was, you know, it was good for nostalgia's sake. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think it's a, a great way, maybe near on perfect way of starting the show with uh, Vince and Austin, you know, consider the history. My only thing is, is that Austin didn't say anything, shame, if he'd have come, yeah. you know, said a few words. Maybe WWE worried about what he would say, maybe, you know, even, oh, Jesus Christ, son. <laughs> like, well, Goddamn son of a bitch. So, what? yeah, mate, maybe. Yeah, I know, it's a good bit after, isn't it? An eight women tag. Uh, well, yeah, an eight women tag match. We've got Deville and Rose from Absolution, Fox and Nia Jax versus Banks, Bailey, Mickey James, and Oscar. Yeah, Michael Cole said, um, we didn't have women's wrestling 25 years ago in Raw, and now we have. And I thought, I, I really like women's wrestling, but I thought this went on longer than it should have. This match? The, the women's match, yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I thought it was. You know, it was uh, there was a big brawl to start it off with, and Jax immediately goes for Oscar. Um, it's quite a slow match, and then it kicks off outside, and then a bank statement on Fox wins it for the faces, really. Yeah, I think it went through two adverts, and especially when you're watching it live, it makes me realise how much I fucking hate adverts. And I thought to myself, like, oh my god, you know, and they're getting it a lot longer. And like I said, Banks did win. And then at the end, the kind of a statement, wasn't it? Was... Yes, it was an Oscar statement, though, instead of a bank statement. Hey. Thank you very much. Um, yes, and Oscar clears the faces from the ring, her teammates. And she throws them out as if she was eliminating them from the Royal Rumble. Maybe it's, uh, it's something that they're going to go with. I don't know. Exactly. Well, it's a foreshadowing, isn't it, of Oscar winning the Rumble. But when they do that, alarm bells ring in my head. And I think, well, if they're doing it now, then what's going to happen at the Royal Rumble? Especially with all these rumours swirling around and stuff. I mean, Oscar is the clear favourite, but I, I don't know. I mean, would it have been nice at that moment? I'm going to offer alternatives. I'm not saying this is how they should have done it, but like Austin giving a promo, maybe when Oscar celebrating, you think we should have had a, uh, a diva legend like Trish coming out at that point in time and maybe face, but then again, face to face Oscar, but then again... <laughs> It might not matter, you know. Like I'm saying, Indeed, what, what yeah. would, what would you, what would bring of that? What would come of it? Yes, but we, you know, we again after that segment, we was backstage. We got Jonathan Coachman, Harvey Wimpleman, the Brooklyn Brawler, Teddy Long, Brother Love, and the Boogeyman, <laughs> all in Angle's office, and the Boogeyman just basically put some worms into Coach's hands. And that's pretty much the end of that segment. Yeah, it was really, really, Brother Love got a huge ovation from the crowd. I love you! <laughs> and uh, it's good to see Boogeyman coming out, uh, coming out, Boogeyman there, and uh, like you said, handing people words. But Angle, yeah, did have that kind of look of, uh, like, uh, I don't want to explain Angle, but rather than that far away look in his eyes, it was like he was having a drug trip, you know, he was laughing and, and giggling at, say, yeah. at it when he should have maybe been straight-faced, you know? But one thing I like to hear when we came back to uh, the Brooklyn, is this Brooklyn? It's Manhattan. To the Manhattan Centre, and that's the king wanting puppies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, does it set back the women's revolution a little bit? You well, know, like, you know, it's just classic king, isn't it, it really? It is classic king. And, I mean, king does look well, like we, I talked about in the pre-show. Uh, JR, I don't know, he's gone through some tough things, hasn't he? But yeah. it is nice to see him on, on commentary. 
And then, yes, we go to uh, to The Undertaker's package. Easy, James. Ah. And, uh, you know, it just goes back through, you know, some of his most memorable moments. Well, it's, this is a video that was showed on the pre-show, and it's so well put together as well. Like you said, showing Undertaker's dominance on Raw. But The Undertaker's big announcement was next, and this was the thing I was looking forward to the most. I wanted to find out what was going to happen with The Undertaker coming back and uh, would we see a WrestleMania match set up with him? Would he retire? Would he enter the Royal Rumble? I mean, what would happen, Dan? Well, you know, he comes out minus hat, jacket and gloves. I yep. think he must have left them at WrestleMania. Yes, indeed. I noticed that as well. Uh, I thought that was quite a nice nod to say, like, yes, he has got rid of that, but he can still come out here, you know. Yeah, but it's, you know, quite an interesting segment. I'll let you take the lead on this as you are Undertaker's biggest fan. Well, the thing is about this with The Undertaker is I really didn't understand it. It was kind of a mishmash. Cryptic message. Yeah, but even cryptic didn't make any fucking sense. Like, a lot of people have said since then, oh, it's because he had tears in his eyes and stuff. But JR's comment was like, oh, that's a warning to other superstars. So... I don't know what I'm trying to get across. I mean, and even if you listen back to it, it was like Austin, Rock, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels, I buried you all, and then those remain buried. And it's just really confusing. You can see he's emotional. The carnage began on this sacred ground of evil 25 years ago. I've taken legends and ripped them off their pedestals and thrown them in the cold, dark earth. Stone Cold answered to the Reaper. Mick Foley answered to the Reaper. Even my own flesh and blood, Cain had to answer to the Reaper. They all tried. They all failed. And now, on this sacred ground, I declare for all of those who have fallen, it is truly time. You rest in peace. Well, then, you know, the dead man may be dead, but is the American badass? Well, this is the thing, dead. isn't it? I mean, do you think he looks in good shape? It doesn't look too bad. Shape. I I don't think he looks in in great shape. You know, I think you know maybe. But could... then you know, Ric Flair was still pulling out matches, and he looked in worse shape than Undertaker does now. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. 
I think if you put him in a match with someone that can carry a match, i.e. a John Cena type. Yes, I, I, I think you that, know, yeah. Because, you know, you don't really, you've, you've outdone the Triple H, you've outdone the Shawn Michaels. Well, he's Who stick- else would be able to carry a match? AJ Styles. Styles, the yeah. Styles yeah. Untaker match yeah. would be that kind of, you know, like the Michaels matches we've been watching with Taker recently, Styles could just bump around and make the Untaker yeah. look great that yeah. way. But to not put him in a, you know, if, have someone else carry the load, put, you know, if Kane don't want to do it, new young, you know, monster, whatever it is. That's what I thought he was going to do. When he said that, they all failed. I thought he was going to name drop like at least Brock Lesnar or something like that. Mention Sacred Ground again. So you rest in peace, and he's getting very emotional saying that. So all the souls, but look at JR. Was that a warning? Yeah, so JR said, King's like, I don't know what the fuck he said. <laughs> JR's like, is that a warning? So the Undertaker says that. So if it's a retirement speech, no offence to the Undertaker, who I absolutely love, but that ain't on the level of Edge, Ric Flair. But then they've already got, their Hall of Fame centre stage induction yeah. for this year. So, I don't know, are they purposely admitting him? Because they could have bumped Goldberg back to next year. Yeah, without a doubt, and had the Undertaker now. And had the Undertaker main show this. is You know, does this still mean anything? It's But this is the thing, like, you, it's an excellent point. You've got to imagine now, like, I've always been against, with the Undertaker, I just want him to continue, continue, continue. And, and it's getting to a point now where, like, physically, he can't do it anymore. And yeah. it is coming to an end. And it's it, next year he will be going into the Hall of Fame. And like you said, at that point, when the Undertaker goes in the Hall of Fame, Mark Calloway can come back out and the Undertaker gimmick will be over and done with then. You know, who will be the Undertaker. Yeah, I've got a little emotional to talk about there, but I don't think the, the, the Raw 25, uh, the Undertaker thing, was that good, to be fair. I think it's a bit of a disappointment. You no, know? It, was, it was, you know, a bit confusing. I think, you know, he could have at least... You know, like he's done with Triple H and Shawn Michaels, where they come out, they look at the WrestleMania yep. sign... Undertaker just on. At that point, I was saying to myself, we ain't seen the last of the Undertaker yet. I was imagining later some person to be in the ring, maybe Cena, lights go out, come back on, Taker's there, looking at him, bang, you got your moment. We'll yeah. find out if we get it as we watch. But anyway, move on. And up next? Uh, up next, we've got APA, Rhino, Slater, and they're playing cards. I didn't find that funny. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're talking about... Um, the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Yes. But hasn't his son had more raw, raw moments than he has? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, but, and now we get the parade of general managers. Well, this this is a bit I I obviously missed this bit. Yeah. I, I went from the Undertaker, and the next bit I saw was the Reigns Miz Intercontinental Title match. Did you go to the start? Did you see Miz coming out? No, I no. saw... It was during the match, if you know. Well, I mean. you know, you, you see John Laronitis coming out, having a wave. William Regal, who is current NXT general manager. Yes, which is fair enough. John, you know, uh, William Regal being there. Of course, John Laurinaitis, you love his voice. Yes, uh, <laughs> Eric Bischoff comes out. Listen to the pop of that. Old Jowly Bischoff. Yeah, you know you've got jowls now. I really do like Eric Bischoff, to be fair. Yeah, he was sure. good. See what happens when the Miz comes out. Ah, there we this go. I wonder where that moment started. So talk about general managers. We get Daniel Bryan, who's the general manager of SmackDown, of course. But he's had a few raw moments of his own. Yeah. And all the general managers are going along with the Yes movement. Isn't it weird though that Daniel Bryan's one of the most over people in WWE, and he's only a general manager? Well, he can't complain. No, or the, he came to play. The he came to play, and he, he can't complain. Play. He's an A-lister. Here's an A something, James. Yeah. Oh, look, face to face with Brian. Something going to happen here? 
Brian doesn't back down though. You know, he steps into it. Mm, yeah, he doesn't. He stands his ground, doesn't he? But why give us that moment if you're not going to think about it? You know, that's what I don't. That's what annoys me sometimes. I want Brian to beat the shit out of Miz. I think everybody wants that. You know, that's the whole. Yeah. That's what makes Miz great is that you can go, yeah, he's alright, but I want to see him beaten up. Well, you might get your wish answered because <laughs> he is actually facing Roman Reigns in his rematch for the Intercontinental Championship. Personally, I don't think he stands a chance. <laughs> but you know. Right, so notes from this match. I, like I say, uh, after the, the the first advert, I tuned in. Dan, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, yes, well, you know, one of the notable things is there have been 51 intercontinental title changes on Raw. Oh, wow. I did not, uh, that's incredible. What, this is the 51st change? No, there's been 51. Oh, there's, so it's been... It's all right, sorry, all right. So it's been 51. <laughs> <laughs> One well, you know, we get a skull-crushing finale, close fall for The Miz. Two. And then, you know, Reigns hits the Superman punch. Yep. Miz manages to kick out. Ah. And then uh, Reigns headbutts the exposed turnbuckle, as we see in The Miz taken off now as Reigns is distracted by The miz Tourage. I, I tell you say, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, they had the match, didn't they, uh, before The Miz went away, when Reigns won the IC title, which I thought was a cracker. I thought this one was as good. For some reason, I would never have put it together, but The Miz and Reigns seem to have really good chemistry in, 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 in the ring. And what's weird as well is, or I think it shows Miz coming along leaps and bounds, is the fact Reigns is the star isn't he he's the man yeah. and yet Miz in the match was his equal yes of course Miz Taraj got involved which they would and Reigns put them to the sword but it was still you know at the end of it like I said when he exposed turnbuckle with the Miz and Reigns that you can get for beating a big star can't it you know well it's, it wasn't really that clean though was no, it literally you know, no, it wasn't like... as a whistle you know you had the Miz Taraj being involved Roman obviously getting distracted by them as all the best stars get distracted by all it. the best stars, do, but I think you you know the the turnbuckle off second is a lot better than it's or, an innovative finish exactly. And the Miz using his uh, you know using his brain there to try and beat Reigns and uh, no, I, I I really like the match and for using me using his brains to beat Reigns. Yeah, Reigns. using his brains to beat Reigns, and I really enjoyed the IC title match. And I thought after the the first hour, I thought <coughs> yes, it's not it's not too bad, you know. Yes, uh, you know, and there's 52 changes on Raw now. Oh, yeah, 52 IC Dark changes. Um, well, Hardy Uso's an MVP. Oh, MVP, first time I've yeah, seen him in They years. join APA, Rhino, Slater, and the Million Dollar Man for a game of poker. When you heard Jeff Hardy was going to be on the show, are you disappointed he was used like this? I was very disappointed <laughs> he was used like this, yeah. And uh, Heath Slater's slowly but surely don't call me Shirley getting beaten for uh, all his life savings yeah up next we've got Christian's peep show well you know Christian starts it off and uh, he's introducing his guests on the peep show and it is Jason Jordan's and Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins uh, Raw Tag Team Champions of course defending against the bar is this a waste of Christian like, what is Christian doing a peep show? Like, I know Jericho's going to be on Raw, maybe the highlight reel, but really, Christian peep show? I mean, he only had, like, 
two sentences and that was it really I mean I think it's a bit of a shame yeah I think it was kind of overshadowed annoyingly by Jason Jordan (laughs) well I tell you what Jordan though has Vicky heat I bet they fuck it up when he turns him heel like the level of animosity when he's talking the hatred from the crowd like no other wrestler like I said only Ricky Guerrero really has kind of had that and like you said with Jordan the potential there but WWE will always fuck it up so then the bar came out after they, they talked. You know, like I said, Jordan was talking. Well, Seth started talking. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, James. <laughs> but Seth was talking and Jordan immediately like starts over talk, talking over him. And yeah, he's getting a lot of Vicky Guerrero heat. Yeah. You know, things break down. Uh, Sheamus gets thrown out the ring. Cesaro's held up so Seth can come off with a springboard knee. Cesaro moves out of the way. Seth inadvertently or accidentally, well, yeah. I say with air quotes, hits Jason Jordan in the face. And the bar, you know, walk away. They seem quite happy with himself. Yeah, I mean, the bar, like you said, is it their time to be tag team champions again? They look strong. It's quite a rushed segment. I think it was like, right, quick, let's get to the point. Let's get on with it, you know. And like I say, to Christian, to just be there and then thrown away. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, backstage, we do see Alexa Bliss, the Raw Women's Champion, face-to-face with Charlotte Flair, SmackDown's Women's well, Champion. I, I wouldn't so much say face-to-face, I'd more say face-to-breast. Yeah, but the thing is, is it because Bliss is small, or is it because Charlotte is gigantic? I think it's a little from column A <laughs> and a little from column B, because Ric Flair is medium height. Well, Flair looks a little bit gaunt, but still. He said, was it good to see Looks in worse shape. Vince, Undertaker, or Ric Flair? I'd say Flair. I think, I think Flair looks worse than Vince. Yeah, I would say that, yeah. Flair, who are you saying? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on Flair. Yeah. Were you glad to see Ric Flair? I was, yeah. You know, it's good to see him back. You know, he's smiling, styling and profiling. But again, you know, another, I'd say, quite a rushed yeah. segment. Yeah, I mean, it kind of built up to the fact that Charlotte's saying that she's like the number one woman in the company, which doesn't really help out Bliss. And it gets Flair involved. But again, it seems to be like, yeah, backstage segments. See, look, Edge gets a massive segment. But he's, he'd rather be in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, where was Edge? Exactly. I mean, Edge... I think <laughs> he I was on later. location in Ireland. You know, he may have been visiting Hornswoggle, Finley, Finn <laughs> Balor, or even Seamus. But <laughs> Natalia, uh, O'Neill, Cruz and Natalia joined the APA for a poker game. Um, and Heath Slater's still losing. Yeah, I mean, they just keep adding character after character, don't they, uh, to the, the backstage. I think the office is getting too crowded. I don't know what they're going to do about it. And then we move back to the Manhattan Centre. So they've been entwining bits and pieces. Like I say, Antaker was a Manhattan. The IC title match was in, at Barclays. And then we've had uh, the peep shot Barclays and now this Manhattan Centre. Uh, this fucking five-minute Damn, what your, yes, what your it thoughts? was awful. The only thing I've actually taken from this, I'm thinking of as you may, I think it was what was the uh, Royal Rumble when CM Punk was New Nexus and Husky Harris came out? 2011. 2011 Royal Rumble, and they said that Husky Harris was a Sherman tank with a Ferrari engine. And tonight, or well, you know, on this night, JR said that Bray Wyatt is a road with a Mercedes engine. So basically, so basically, he's thing. recycling lines. Husky Harris is or was uh, Bray Wyatt. So you know, it's, it's that's quite. I think that's probably the only entertaining right. and thing of note I've taken from that. Okay, so the match was horrible. It was a squash match. Bray won in a matter of minutes, 
literally minutes. The Dude, fans, Abigail, the yeah. fans were waiting for an hour to watch, or, or two hours maybe, to watch a wrestling match, and then they had that Sister Abigail overdone with Buck Dan. Thoughts on Bray Wyatt? Maybe, just maybe, when I look, you know, I look too much into things. Maybe, just maybe, right? They treated him like the Undertaker on the first episode of Raw, coming out weird entrance. Going against a guy who's a bit off, a bit like Demento with Woken Matt Hardy, dominating in the squash match. What's that, my love? <laughs> dominating the squash match and moving on to bigger and better things. Or am I just whistling Dixie? Um, but I think it'd be a huge shame to, you know, go through all this change with Matt Hardy for him to just job out. To Bray Wyatt, yeah, no, I understand, but they did that. So I think it was. Well, so I think you yeah, know think the feud was... will continue, but like yeah. the Bray Wyatt character, maybe they're trying to say because the Undertaker's gone. Like I was saying, he's going to go. They need a kind of Undertaker esque character, closest thing. Maybe they'll start treating him with respect, or maybe he will just lose to Matt Hardy. <laughs> well, you know, we, we'll see how time tells. I wouldn't want to see Matt Hardy job out. No, but. but... I'm saying please give Bray a chance as well. And we're yeah. fans of both these guys. We want to see it work. And to be put in a kind of throwaway match on Raw 25 was, I think, hurtful towards those two as well. You know, I think it would have been better uh, had it been a little bit longer. Um, they have, you know, much like the uh, general manager parade, they've got a parade of women from the past 25 years. Yeah. And we get the Bellas. We get Kelly Kelly. We get Maurice. With Bump, we get Lillian Garcia, Miss Jacqueline, Tori Wilson. Yeah, Tori Wilson, who doesn't look too bad at all. Not too shabble, no. And uh, Michelle McCall, Terry Runnels. But the biggest pop of the night goes to Trish Stratus. Yeah, Trish Stratus. Well, I put Women's Revolution... Uh, this is the start of the women's. Re- this is the women's revolution now. Okay, so we've seen the women. So what they do, much like the general managers, go to the stage, wave, and stand there. That's what they're told. Good God, what a moment! What the fuck is Michelle McCall wearing? Can I just say? That's what I put down wow. in my notes. She, well, this actually reminds me of you know at WrestleMania when they all come out and they've been inducted to the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, exactly. The women, the, the 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 legendary women of WWE get treated the same as general manager. Terry looks good. Uh, Maria is a fat bitch. <laughs> She's pregnant. I don't care. She's a fat bitch. I don't know why Maria Canellis is there. No, because she's a fat bitch. Why is she taking up half the room? She's, like, she's taking up much space for the Bellas. Um, and also, put yeah, biggest pop for Trish Stratus. She actually looks good. She don't look too bad. You can tell she's getting on a bit, though, because of her elbows. Exactly. Poor Trish, though. Is she going to come out to the ring now, grab the mic, and say something? Nope. Is she going to make a statement? Yeah, she's going to make a statement. She's going to say, she's face-to-face with Oscar. <laughs> is she going to say, what's she going to do? Well, she's obviously going to move to one side, so Lita can come out. Yeah. Oh, there's no Lita. Why is no. there no Lita for? Why no Lita? Why is there no Lita? Why is there no Lita? Well, Lita <laughs> tweeted... Lita tweeted. <laughs> Lita is a tweeter. She said, uh, what was it saying about not making the list? Yeah, so she didn't make the list. She said, well, you know, it was... Uh... <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, so Lita's not there. We don't know the real reasons why. Edge is not well, there. Well, she wasn't invited. No, but basically. Edge is not there either. Hmm. 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 Live sex hmm. celebration somewhere else, maybe. I don't know. Wow. 
Uh, it is poor Trish, isn't it? She had more to do in the pre-show with Bailey than she did on the actual Raw 25 moment. But this is a good moment. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. I did actually put that as well. I said, uh, backstage, bit of a surprise, but it's a good fucking segment. And Elias had a lot of time. Oh, Elias. Uh, so you got a lot of scarves around your neck there. Yeah. Actually, you wrote a song about you. I'd like to, to play it for you right now if I can. Can I use your guitar? No, you can't. It's okay. I got my own. I don't want to walk with Elias Why? I'll give you the gist You're a stupid idiot And you just And you just And you just <laughs> I got you, right? You thought you were going to be a right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. You just read the list! And your stupid scarves, too. The list gets a massive part. It does. You just made the list. So uh, I think it's a good segment. But again, Jericho kind of wasted in a backstage pose to being out there in the ring. He did interact with GPD. And speaking yes. of GPD, he probably had the most time out of any single superstar on this show. We had the segment with Jericho. Now we've got the um, the GPD gig. And I tell you what, I enjoyed the way he controlled the ca- crowd. He controlled the crowd way beyond his years. Where he was, they were chanting along with him, weren't they? We want Elias and all that was working. And then all of a sudden it's, um, you know, be like, you all losers and the fans would hate him for it, you know. <coughs> he was singing, he's putting down all the legends in song. Yeah, so John Cena then came out and uh, says to Elias, because in Cena's song, uh, in Elias' song he says Cena and Brooklyn and of course Jimmy Fallon have no balls. And John but Cena. But then, you know, John, I think this being a special moment, John Cena should have come out and said, well, you think you can sing? He's and then he should have spit a few bars. In like old school style. That could have worked. That really could have worked, you know. But instead, what we got was Cena saying, do you want to hit me, Elias? And Elias saying, no. I'm going to walk away. Yeah. He's going to drift walk. away. We're going to drift away, walk with Elias. So I put low blow, guitar, finisher. And quite unbelievably, Cena gets laid out by uh, Elias. And I know yeah. Cena will come out on top, but there's not too many times he's looked that's this week and his days as number one is now over isn't it you know Cena doesn't get laid out yeah. not in this fashion you know I'll put GPD backs down attacks John Cena from behind Cena sees it runs through his moves until he's dropped by a low blow gets hits with a guitar then drift away GPD stands tall yeah and he, and he I mean were you surprised with Elias standing tall in this I was yes you know it's it's kind of things that wouldn't never normally happen yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I know uh, Samoa Joe called out John Cena a couple of weeks ago and, and they were meant to have a, you know, a, a match or maybe an interaction at the Rumble. And it seems Elias has got that spot now. And Elias, I mean, he is now arguably the greatest export from NXT because people don't know he's from NXT. He's kind of 
became this character. Yeah. And to lay out John Cena, you know, and looking too much into it, if you look at the last time a regular day superstar took out a so-called legend, go back to Raw 1000 when CM Punk laid out The Rock. Now, I'm not saying Elias is CM Punk, but... Far from it. Far from it. But the, G- <laughs> the, the GPD has definitely got something here, you know, and... <clears throat> I don't think... certainly got. I think I don't know. I think they might be playing off his heat, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think also this is not John Cena's WrestleMania match. You know, I think you know what I mean. This is. I think there's still going to be something else for Cena to do at Mania. I don't think it's going to be against GPD. I think this will sort itself out in the next. You know what I mean? In the next month or so, and then we can lead up towards that. Because at this point, I thought Cena was going to lay out Elias, and like I said, lights go out, takers in the ring, face to face, but. Would have been good. Yeah, but instead it did GPD. All right, what's next? Uh, up next, the new, J, the new Day join the poker table. Million Dollar Man wins. And Farouk says, damn! Damn! <laughs> and then, obviously, uh, that's kind of arranged a match. Yeah, you said Heath Slater was... Uh... Oh, he no, was that, caught cheating. Yeah, he was caught cheating. JBL said, there'll be no fighting here. There'll be no fighting on the room. If you want to do it, do your fighting in the ring. So we're going to have Heath Slater and Rhino... Versus Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews in a minute. Yeah, after that, we see uh, Mark Henry walking through and he comes across his old friend, the Godfather. Yeah, and the Godfather looks really well, doesn't he? He does, yes. <laughs> and he's, he's with one of his hoes, perhaps. Yeah. Mark Henry starts trying to chatter up and he says, no, this is my wife. I, I, I thought it was really, really funny. Yeah, all I've got is Mark Henry, Godfather, sexual... Ch- Godfather says, this man used to be sexual chocolate, you know. And he's like, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, but you still could be, you know. Uh, and then she thought it was a hoe and it was his wife. And it, I, I'm I'm glad they did, but Mark Henry is, is surely no longer in wrestling. Well, don't call me Shirley, <laughs> but it doesn't look like he's... Wrest- for much wrestling state. Speaking of which, look how wide Rhino is. I keep <laughs> talking about Rhino. Wide. Fucking more wide than anything else. So we had the Jobbers tag team match, and did this lead to anything, Dan? James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so and nothing really happened. It was an yeah. easy match, you know. Yeah, yeah. We had the Dudley boys coming down. <laughs> Bubba Ray looking for his tag, you know, his high five, and Devon kind of walks for it. And now they're in the ring. They're like, look, all of you, come on. And no one wants to get in the ring with the Dudley boys duo. No, it's four against two. I mean, the Dudleys are tough, but it's been a long time since we've seen them together. And, uh, well, Heath Slater comes to the Wolves, so to speak. Yeah, Bubba looks well, though. By his tag team partner as well. I'm not too keen on Dana Brooke in this situation. Oh, I don't know what situation. situation. I don't know what Dana Brooke is doing now. She, apparently she's an accountant. So Slater he's then a get... statistician. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. Well, that's good if Trish Stratus was a statistician. <laughs> statistician, yeah. Yeah, so he flat comes in the ring and gets the was up headbutt by the Dudleys, but they're not finished there, are they? They are by no means finished there. I mean, you know, aside from using a late 90s reference <laughs> in the was up I remember the... Budweiser, Budweiser. yeah. They did it in scary movies, well, I think. What are you doing? Chilling, drinking a bird. Uh, anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Dudleys, another indeed, 90s reference. Yes. Um, and Devon got the tables. Heath Slater went through the tables. And Rhino's up there applauding his tag team partner getting 3 would for a table. Yeah. And what then... the fuck is up with Devon's forehead? Well, of course, Rhino and the Dudleys, oh, yeah. good friends. 
Well, Rhino, part of obviously the last ever ECW champion, so he knows the Dudley's back from when. Of course, the two other blacks. Um, I don't. I, that's right. I know you like Woken Matt Hardy, but wouldn't it be great if we saw the Dudleys and then all of a sudden the Hardys came out and then Edwin Christian and you had the free team tag team reunion, eh? That would have been awesome. <laughs> it would have been awesome, wouldn't it? And then you could have. Uh, oh my god, I forgot who the tag team champions are. Uh, Rollins and Jordan. You could have your Rollins and Jordan or the Usos there interacting with the three great tag teams. You know, I, I think it would have yeah. missed the moment, but like we said, Edge obviously not here and uh, Jeff and Unfortunately, Matt yeah. kept separately. I mean, would you, yeah, the Hardys together would have been better. That would have been better, yeah. Than the Woken Matt Hardy. But um, AJ's backstage and he doesn't want to get interviewed by just. Yeah, not any old person. Who who would you want to get interviewed by then? Probably the best ever interviewee. Who's that? What Todd Grisham? <laughs> who who? Close. It is Mean oh. Gene Oakland. Oh, your favourite, Dan. I mean, you, you, did you love seeing Mean Gene? I loved it. It was a brilliant nostalgia pop. Yeah, I mean, how do you think he uh, looks? Terrible. Yeah, he looks old. <laughs> he does. He, I don't even think he, he knows what's going he on. He doesn't know where he is. He, someone woke him up, and now he, now he's in an arena. He doesn't know what he's doing. Microphone in hand. Oh, yeah. Right at the start, mean Gene Oakland. I put talking to the mic, Gene. Poor fucker. I mean, even his speech is not really mean Gene anymore, is it? But he's still there. I'd let him read me a story to sleep. <laughs> That's probably the weirdest thing you've ever said. But, yeah, he, he's an absolute... Legend and uh, and AJ here just comes across as a complete star as well. Doesn't well, it, let me right? tell you, Mean Gene. <laughs> yeah, Hulk Styles, Hulk Styles. <laughs> you get the other notes about this. AJ backstage, he got company. Mean Gene Oakland, yes, 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 indeed. And um, then we move over to Manhattan, and it is Triple H and Shawn Michaels coming out here as DX and. Um, do you want to watch it? Are we going to watch it? Do you want to watch it? It's up to you. I think Triple H gets really intense reminiscing. Uh, he does his NXT thing, doesn't he? That's what he does his um, he does his NXT talk. You started it. We are here now. <laughs> like you well, are the ones that or did is it. His NXT oh, yeah. talk, his DX talk. Well, this is weird. What isn't came it, you know? first, the chicken or the egg? But that's what he does, isn't it? He does his NXT talk. Uh, three glow sticks. I <laughs> put it aside. Yeah. Three glow sticks. Um. I was, oh yeah, at the moment, Dan, it's, just, it's Triple H is going to be his first Mania, not having a match since WrestleMania twenty three. Do you think or should Triple H have a WrestleMania match this year? Does he deserve it? Well, you know, he could come out and win the Rumble. Oh God, don't say that again. <laughs> no, 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 no. They do the shtick all the time, don't they? They come out here and Sean's now tired because he's been running round. They never did it originally. It's only been something you've been doing the past few years. And then he feigns his tiredness. Yeah. New DX tops just for 25 years. And, of course, don't forget, I should note, you know, people in Manhattan have been waiting to watch stuff. And, yes, they've had The Untaker and DX. But the people who spent their money to go into Barclays Centre to watch the match, they're not getting... They they might get Austin, but you're not getting... Well, let me me give you... What crowd would you rather have been in? Well, this is a difficult thing, isn't it? Because you don't get DX... You haven't got The Undertaker. You've had Austin and Reigns match, haven't you? So depending on what happens afterwards. But then, you know, you would have spent most of your time there watching it on the big screen. Yeah, I know. I, I would I would say, oh, fuck, it's difficult. But would man- you rather have Austin, Stanley McMahon, or would you rather have Undertaker and DX? 
if you had, well, then again, is there a bad seat in Manhattan? Then uh, depending on price, uh, I think overall I would rather be in fucking Aston. What would you be in? For nostalgia's sakes, and knowing that I probably wouldn't get to see him again or any other time, I'd rather be there. Yeah, but do you think it was a waste? I suppose we talk about at the end, but do you think it's a waste of money being in in Manhattan Centre? You know what I mean? Or do you think they actually got value for money? Again, it depends on how much they was knocking out the tickets for. You know, I'm I'm guessing they wasn't cheap at all. No, apparently it was the WWE hardcore fans. It was like kind of WrestleMania crowd that paying top dollars you know and even jr said like uh, tickets were going for the hundreds of dollars you know so it, I, I, it might be like a kind of minor disappointment and that's what i thought would be nice if they kind of split the show up and had like an hour in the manhattan center as a like a kind of original raw type thing yeah and uh, doing that you get your value for money because at least it's an hour constant and isn't it and then move over to Barclay center you got your two hour show there have the kind of build up towards the rumble as well like if you have to put a couple of segments in there about that but <clears throat> I, I would say probably I, I, I think you, you got a better deal if you're in Barclays Centre so looking back I think yeah. I'd rather be in the um, <clears throat> if I had good seats in the Barclays Centre it would probably be better because in the Manhattan Centre you've only got a couple of obviously we've got the uh, the DX one you know and you've got the Bray Wyatt Woken Matt Hardy match but we, we saw the reaction to the crowd for the Cruiserweight match that happened on, on this show as well where they were chanting bullshit and hating it you know so yeah so they talk about a couple of uh, explicit moments. But again, for someone to represent an anti-authority, he's actually, you know, anti himself. Yeah, I know. It, it's it's a joke, you know. It's like, almost as bad as Stephanie McMahon being faced one minute, healed the next. Ex- he's fucking, you know, these two married ex- idiots are perfect for each other. Exactly. Because you know, in NXT, he's kind of like the saviour, the god of NXT and gets the kind of reaction. he come do DX, but yet he'll come out with Stephanie and they'll both talk about how great they are you know it's just it's that it, it's it's confusing thing and it makes it it takes away from it as well if you know what i mean like to being together for a reason as opposed to just being put together for a show you know i know sure Michaels yeah. retired now oh sorry he's doing a speech now aren't he you started the fight we bring it on you triple h come out with Sean Michaels, like we say, he's given his big NXT speech. He's mentioning, we can mention China now because she's dead and no longer a threat to the WWE. Yes. A bit like Rick Rude, really, and they're saying they changed the industry 20 years ago and doing it since. Again, I'd probably disagree because I think think DX maybe been a thing, you know, know, we talk about 98, 99 maybe, yes. But then... they've, They've helped carry... The brand Ford. I mean, DX was certainly entertaining during oh, the yeah. time, and we're going to cover a lot of their shenanigans. Uh, but like I say, believe it or not, kids, these old men used to be degenerates, and this is the thing about it. It is, yeah. You know, some <laughs> people are watching, saying, "Who's DX? He, he's he's the man. Who's, he's the COO." Yeah, it, it's it's like exactly COO. And are you ready? I said, are you ready? Because when I said we, we didn't come alone. Oh, you didn't know? Uh-oh. You better call somebody. Oh, you recognize that voice, JR? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
you to say it like you mean it. Now then, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, tonight, D-Generation X proudly brings to you its sixth time WWE Tag Team Champions of the World, the Road Dog, Jesse James, the Badass, Billy Gunn, the New Age Outlaws. And of course, his tag team partner, Kevin Nash, couldn't be around because he is currently recovering from knee surgery, mm. unfortunately. It would be good to see the Outsiders back together again. Exactly. It would have been a nice moment. And uh, Sky went to an advert then. And then I thought that was the end of the segment. I really, I thought, they've introduced Scott Hall. That's it now. But no, after a five-minute break, <laughs> Scott Hall waiting for his cue. You'll be able to see it. Oh, you didn't know. You better call somebody. I don't think that was the line, was it? When? But they can call him badass Billy Gunn. Yeah. And my God, Road Dog has put on some timber this past even five years since Raw yeah. 1000. Billy Gunn, though, looks still incredible. Fair play to him. He looks so good to me. I'd rather have been in Chuck reunion. <laughs> he, he didn't come alone. The oh, new- my God. They've dragged him from his fucking grave. Bless him. New Age Outlaws. And I like to call them X-Puck Crazy Eyes. I mean, there is... If if you look up crystal meth user in a dictionary, you're gonna get a picture you're of X-Puck. You're gonna get a picture of X-Puck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you listen to Crackhead speaking, uh, you're gonna hear the first part of what X-Puck says, or not hear it. Man Center, bring some help and make a little noise. Yeah. <laughs> um. What? What? Uh, what did he just say? You... Make some noise. Man Center, bring some help and make a little noise. Yeah! That's nice. One, two, three chant. Thanks to Dan's moment. He doesn't know what he's saying or doing. Oh, but they're saying someone else is involved. Someone who looks even worse than X Park. Oh, I don't know, Dan. As recovering alcoholics go, Scott Hall doesn't look too bad. <laughs> party on Raw without the bad guy. And I've been watching the whole show from both locations, and this Raw 25 thing, I think we can all agree, all these fans agree, everybody watching at home agrees, this Raw 25 is just too sweet. So he came out as Razor Ramon, though, not Scott Hall, you see. So 
makes Have sense. Have you ever seen Razor and Scott Hall in the room at the same time, though? I actually haven't, no. Exactly. No. Too sweet. And as they say that, they ain't get interrupted by Balor's boys. <laughs> Balor Club. Dan, were you pleased to see Finn Balor at this moment in time? I was, yes. You know, I thought they'd missed him out. <clears throat> you know, I was hoping to see maybe a bit of Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, maybe. Missed out again. I know he hasn't had many Raw or SmackDown moments, but nor's Finn Balor, really. No, but Balor's out here, and is he just about to get squashed? That's what I was worried about. Maybe the Balor Club going to get beaten down by these 40-something, you know, 40-something-year-olds. But isn't it credible to think, Dan, that the, the, these three guys were doing nothing a couple of weeks ago, and then finally being reformed on Raw, and it's, they're having, it seems a purpose now, you know? It seems as if they've part of the clique, but they're going to have a square off with DX and Razor Ramon. DX, but give them some of your crazy eyes. <laughs> How fucking annoying is that chance? Sweet chin music. Exactly, Finn Balor are down. But instead they go... Triple H is too sweet, looks really weird. It looks like he's all bent up. Got a big finger. So they're all too sweet in the ring. and In and the ring? In the ring and Billy Gunn now. Got two words for you. And, and that, of course, if you're not... Nope. That's the end of the segment. We move on and nothing <laughs> else happens in this. Dan, there's DX. I mean, what did you think? No, we can't. They, right. <laughs> I go. I don't want to. So, pound for pound, the past two years, Dan and myself, either or, have picked... The Revival as the greatest tag team in WWE. It's fair to say they are. Dash and Dawson. Yeah, they, they thoroughly impressed us throughout their time in NXT. We, you know, we was just really impressed by the, their old school style yes, of yes. tag team action. And, you know, they brought, I don't know, they brought a new life to it as well. You know, no flips, just fists. Exactly. And uh, unfortunately for them, you know, uh, with great matches against American Alpha and people like that in NXT, Moving up to the main roster, we, we had high hopes and they've just come out. And they are the Damien Sandow of Raw 25 right now because... <laughs> I hate to say it, but he was a dude who got beaten up by DX last time. The 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 Revival were beaten in... I think this was even quicker than the... Um, the Bray match. The, the Bray-Matt Hardy match, yeah. They, they get beaten and then and afterwards, my God. I, I can't. I can't even. I can't even. Well, Dawson, he turns Ray's around. Oh, and he gets... He gets toothpick <clears throat> in the eye. X-Factor. But he's still not dropped down. Now it's Rodog's turn. Do a bit of shake, rattle and roll. Famous about Billy Gunn. Dawson out. Dash in. Sweet chin music. A pedigree. And DX destroy the revival. I mean, I don't know. I... I really didn't like the end of that. Dan, what were your thoughts on the DX segment? I thought the DX segment was good. Again, you know, good for a bit of nostalgia. I don't like seeing the Revival getting battered, you know, by, was it nine guys on two? Yeah, I mean, no, you know, the yeah. numbers were, weren't exactly in their favour. I know they started it, but, you know. So after hours of action, we go back to the Barclays Centre and Kurt Angle is bringing out Basically, everybody we saw in backstage segments, that would be fine. That's, that's that's a fair comment, isn't it, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Everyone who's anyone, you know, they're like, yeah, you get another five minutes of fame. Exactly. So, you get any notes on this bit? Well, all I got was uh, Revival get beaten down after the match. 
Uh, the surround the ring. Kane, Strowman and Brock faced to face to face. Strowman cleans house. Brock through the announce table. Job done. Well, at least, I, t- I tell you what I didn't get, right? Why did Angle invite all these people out here and then as soon as Lesnar came out, they all got out of the ring? I don't understand why... What what was the what was the point? Did I miss something there? I don't. I, are they intimidated? Well, I, I figured they didn't even get thrown around. They didn't they? Just was like, no, we're not even going to bother. <clears throat> I mean, what's the Brooklyn Brawler and the Godfather really going to do? Exactly, yeah. And then Heyman running through his bit, and you can tell Lesnar's been told in his ear, Brock, you have two minutes before the end of the show. Use them wisely. Exactly. I, I feel sorry for the person that had to make his Suplex City Brooklyn New York top because. <laughs> two minutes. Oh, and Strowman runs through Kane, goes immediately out to meet Brock, who clotheslines Strowman down. Kane. F5 to the big red machine. Plants him. Looks for Strowman. Suplex for attempt for him, but a big back elbow from the monster. Yeah. And then Lesnar gets eliminated from the Rumble. Thrown into the barricade. And then finally... Oh, Strowman's arranging, rearranging some furniture, running power slam through the announce table. Strowman, Strowman stands tall. Well, Strowman had to go down with Lesnar there to break the announce table. Didn't actually break on impact. That's why Strowman looked a bit like an idiot coming back up again. But was it a SummerSlam? Strowman put Brock Lesnar through an announce table and Lesnar got up and pinned Roman Reigns. So why is that going to... Didn't he put him through two announce yeah. tables and then put one on top no, of no, him? He, yeah, he put two... Yeah. Yeah, so why the hell would Lesnar, why would that be a threat for Lesnar, you know, like, Strowman's, yeah, he's been a little bit, I mean, another kind of, Again, you know, I think they've tried filling too much into this 25-year show, and, you know, Triple H and that, they get a lot of time for their spill, and yet we get, what, three minutes for Lesnar, Kane and Strowman, just to... I know, uh, and it's like, how many times you can see Strowman now destroying something and actually not, you know, being successful in it? That's what I don't understand, but that was Raw then, Raw 25, and... Rachel's giving birth, for all you <laughs> friends fans out there. I'd like to be that now. <laughs> that was Raw 25. What are your thoughts on it? I thought everything was too rushed. Um, they was just bringing, like, you know, there was a big announcement saying MVPs there. And you get, what, two minutes of FaceTime while he's playing a game of poker? Yeah, I know, I know. You know, it's it just seemed everything was far too rushed. Unless you're Triple H or the great guitar playing douche. Yeah. Well, look, I'll tell you someone who wasn't there was, of course, Dan, your favourite wrestler, Randy Orton. Yes, Randy Orton wasn't on Raw 25. You know, someone who's been quite a predominant part of WWE, you know, since 2002. So, what, 16 years? Yeah, yeah that Matt, 16 years now. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, the it? youngest ever champion at one stage. Yep. Last year's Royal Rumble winner. A I man know. who was, whole, you know, he main evented WrestleMania. Yeah. If it was a disastrous match. He carried Raw for, so, you know, he was... Uh, Raw's number one guy. He was when... main event in every single, pay... well, pretty much every single Raw pay-per-view. Yeah, he was the face of WWE, wasn't he? Triple H yeah. made him the face. So yeah. when you consider he, like he was the guy, now he's <laughs> not on Raw. But, uh, so, you know, I know you're not happy about that. Who wasn't? El- who else wasn't happy? 
Um, well, Randy Orton's wife, Kim, she took to social media today to vent over Randy not being booked for tonight's Loaded Raw 25 show. Despite there being no SmackDown live event tonight, only a handful of SmackDown talent have been advertised for the, for the event. Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan, The Usos, and even AJ Styles and The New Day. She went on Instagram to say, Can someone please explain how Randy Orton isn't on the Raw 25th anniversary tonight? She wrote, He's been on more episodes of Raw than anyone besides Triple H, Michaels, Taker, Kane and Cena. An impressive... So why not Randy Orton? He's had some of the most memorable moments in Raw history too. He's also on the promo pick, but isn't on the show. Just doesn't, just doesn't make sense to me. Enjoy the show tonight, guys. I'll be playing Mario Kart with my kids. Oh, so she is not happy about Randy Orton. <laughs> Those are the couple of bits we had. I mean, the bad reception for it was huge. I mean, we saw... We talked about it a little bit, didn't we? The fans of the Manhattan Centre chanting bullshit and refund as well at the uh, the vast majority of it. And also the picture we had of the King and JR as well, didn't we? Yes. Uh, well, it looked as if they was both asleep. Yeah, the picture was... Well, it kind of looked like they were asleep, didn't it, to be fair? We'll post it up. It was uh, kind of head down, eyes... Well, no, JR head down looking down at the announce table and, and King was kind of comfortably laid back, wasn't he? So, you know. They've got to remember that these guys are getting on in age. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they can catch 40 winks wherever. Exactly. But if you've got nothing else, you know, like I say, if you've got um, if you've got nothing to do for like half hour, an hour anyway, you're going to gonna have some uh, downtime, aren't you? You know, uh, And that was Royal 25. And, and I thought that was the biggest news going. I thought the Royal 25, that would be it. But... We are going to do news on the Sunday show, our live show on the Royal Rumble. We'll look at all the news the past couple of weeks. But there is one breaking story that I feel I we have to talk about here on the WNR podcast. Um, yes. So you d- know, in in some lights, it is probably the best thing I've heard all year. You know, I'm I'm not saying this about the actual event that happened. Please, you know, don't take yeah. that out of context. What it's led up to. Has has been great for me, you know. Yeah. No one, well, should go through anything we, like that. No, no one should go through anything like that. But talking about it, uh, it, it it's incredible. It, it's it's yeah. All right, Dan, go on, take it away. Well, a Twitter user that goes by the name at Miss Gucci, which is accusing is accusing WWE Cruiserweight Champion Enzo More of rape. She said that she was raped in mid October by the WWE superstar and lists. Tyler Grosso and Layla Tupor Sharapio as accomplices for letting it happen. I was in a mental hospital for four after it. They are not good people, she wrote in a tweet. Uh, the user explained how Grosso and Sharapio invited her to hang out with Enzo in his hotel room and got her fucked up by doing coke, meth and weed. She says that Enzo told them that he was going to rape her after they tried to persuade him not to, they gave up and left her with him. It was such a brutal rape, like I'm still so fucked up from it. I haven't had sex since I've, since October. I'm in the process of pressing charges, she wrote. Well, in another message, she explained how Shapiro asked her if she would suck Enzo's dick, and if she didn't want to, they would just all hang out. She said that she was passed out on the couch when Enzo started to come at her, and she allegedly told him she wants to... That she wants to get to know him first before doing anything. He replied, bitch, I have one million followers on Instagram. You should be begging for this dick, she wrote. 
Then he proceeded to restrain her and raped her. She said, I remember bits and pieces and have constant flashbacks. My mental issues have been the worst ever and I suffer from major PTSD from it, she continued. Well, at that time, the story was only, was unconfirmed. But then we, we, he got suspended, didn't he, from the WWE on the Tuesday. And then a little bit later on, that, well, Dan, do you want to tell everybody what happened to Enzo Amore? Well, Enzo Amore was reportedly backstage at last night's Raw from the Barclays Centre, according to Comrade Thompson, co-host of the Something to Wrestle With podcast, which isn't as good as our podcast. No, fuck him. With Bruce Pritchard. Enzo is wearing a t-shirt with, today is the best day of my life, on the front, and can't wait for tomorrow on the back. Enzo was accused of rape earlier that day on social media and WWE suspended him hours later stating they have zero tolerance for matters involving sexual harassment or sexual assault. And WWE ended up releasing Enzo earlier today. So, Dan, say a bit more happiness in your voice. What, what's happened? You know, what's... And uh, <clears throat> Enzo was accused of rape. Yay. And on social media, WWE suspended him hours later stating they have zero tolerance for matters involving sexual or sexual assault. And the best bit, WWE ended up releasing Enzo today. <laughs> Enzo Amore. There is a god. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Enzo Amore has left the WWE. Dan, you cannot believe it. Twitter went crazy about it uh, past couple of days. We're recording this now on a Wednesday. Yeah, it was. it's kind of mental, kind of surreal it's been, isn't it? That you're the guy you hate. You must have seen something in him to think he's a cunt. Well, and now you've been vindicated. You know, he's always had that look to me, James. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. And, you know, he's one of them people that from day one I could never trust. No. You ne- never liked him. You, you know, never liked good him. reason to. Yeah, never liked him from day one. Yeah, It was so weird because everybody else was like, no. Even when he was with Big Cass teaming up, you were like, no. It's, it, no, I don't like him, you know, so it's, it's, it's strange is what happened. Tell us <laughs> about Enzo. Good riddance to the scummy bastard. Yeah, he will no longer be mentioned here on the podcast. Uh, he will not be talked about at all. Oh, Dan, I forgot you're still wearing your certified G t-shirt. Well, as our listeners may know, as a result of losing last year's Prediction League... I was forced, I'm, I'm going to use that word yeah. liberally, to wear an Enzo Side G t-shirt. And I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to our listeners out there to free Dan from this t-shirt. Hashtag. Hashtag free Dan from his shirt. Look, look, I said those are the rules, all right? You have to wear the certified G t-shirt for the rest of the year. And also, what's going to be great, and I've said this before, is when you go to Monday Night Raw here in London at O2 and you're wearing your Enzo Amore top. But I think there'll be a little bit more on that. But that is it from Raw 25 and this week. All right, so that is everything for this show here. This starts a huge weekend for the WNR podcast. Tomorrow night, 11pm, NXT TakeOver pre-show live. We bring you all the build-up for the TakeOver events, plus two episodes of NXT, news and games. And Sunday, 10pm, WWE Royal Rumble 2018 live kickoff. Our first Rumble live, and we are prepared to bring you the best show of all time, featuring Rumble facts, games, news, and catching up with 205 Live. 
plus lots more. Yeah, it's going to be lots more. Don't forget, you can follow us across all the social media platforms. We're on Twitter, at WW Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rose. also got a friend on Twitter. Yes, we have Mini Chris Benoit, and he's just trying to make the world a better place. And he is at Mini Chris Benoit. Across all the Google platforms, WW Network Review on Google+, and send us an email at WNRPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook... Facebook, yes, you can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network review, or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. We've got clips going up there. Podcasts go at the same time. They do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Spreaker Radio, where there are live shows tomorrow night and Sunday night. Don't forget NXT TakeOver and Royal Rumble. Our first ever Royal Rumble live. We cannot wait for it. Stitcher Radio, iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. I have been James Rollins, and as always, I was joined by... Damn right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. Bye.